Podcast for Noah. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian McCrolsky. Um, it is the son of La Patrick. And with a Noah tagline, Kelly Wand. Did this really happen? I don't know, huh? It's Riddick, it's Riddick all over again. I got that one, Kelly Wand. Wait, I did a Riddick name pun joke? No, I just feel like saying Riddick. Uh, I took a bullet for you guys, by the way. Oh, Where did you take it? I took it in the sabotage. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I like what I'm hearing. <laughs> Very impressive. Uh, all throughout sabotage, I'm sitting there, and it's so awful, by the way. I'm sitting, oh. there, I'm sitting there thinking... So this is an, another release that, that came out this week, directed uh, by David Ayers, who did Training Day. That's how they're selling it. Uh, I didn't know anything about it. And I was, I accept that Gina Carano is in it. So I'm sitting there the whole time thinking, oh, my God, this sucks. Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger is in it. Sam Worthington oh. is, <laughs> it, it, it's, is all over this stupid thing. Um, Sam Worthington, by the way, all over it. They try to toughen him up by having him shave his head and have a, a little braided, uh, like a biker beard. It looks like a like a like a white trash kind of beard, and it's it's got a little braid at the end of it. And his head was shaved in Avatar. Yeah, but it was more like a underwear model look. Yeah, this is definitely the biker meth lab dealer kind of look. Uh, and it's, but it's still him. It's his Australian accent is still, he just can't shake it. Uh, he's just awful in it. They also have, and it's such a Brodeo movie too. It's so full of like bro writing and tough dudes. Um, and, and they throw into the mix. It's about this DEA squad who steals $10 million from the Mexican cartel. And then they start dying off one by one. Uh, the Mexican cartel is killing them and they throw into this little bro circle Muriel Enos, ah. who is supposed to be super tough, and she at one point faces off Max Martini, who uh, – what have we seen? We've seen him in Pacific Rim. What else have we seen him in? Who's Muriel? What's name? I'm sorry. Muriel Enos is in a show called The Killing uh, with know. Joel Kinnaman. And That's she, who? In The Killing, she and Joel Kinnaman play these cops, these uh, homicide detectives. Okay, so she's the lead. Ah, yeah, she's okay. the lead actress. And we've seen her in a movie sure. as um, uh, uh, Gummit, the No Country for Old Men dude, not Josh Hartnett, Josh Brolin. Uh, she's Josh Brolin's wife in Gangster Squad. And yeah. she's, she's all pregnant but super tough, and she helps him vet the gangsters. And she's, she's like, not gonna... you're not joining that Gangster Squad, but since you're joining it, let me help you join it. Right. And she's like, yeah, she's like a, a tough 40s wife, uh, hard-bitten. And, uh, anyway, so because of these kind of parts where she's playing the detective and the killing and maybe because she was the tough wife in Gangster Squad, they totally make her be like one of the bros in Sabotage. And there's a scene where she faces off Max Martini and she's like, I can fuck harder than you and fight harder than you and drink harder than you. In that order. So bring it on, motherfucker. And she's, she's like doing all this tough talk and stuff. And does she or is she all talk? Um, she tries her best, but it really is like watching the girls in um, that was the Quentin Tarantino Death Proof. It really is like watching oh. girls do boys dialogue that was written for stupid boys that doesn't quite work. 
Um, Max Martini was in Captain Phillips as well, wasn't he? Ah, wait. Yes, yes, you're right, Dingus. He was the leader of the the Navy SEALs. Exactly. That's what we saw him in recently. Um, And and Holloway, uh, Josh Holloway is in this, Kelly Warren. Sawyer. Sawyer. Oh, he's my favorite. Well, he's he dies early on, so he's not very much. He in. didn't. That's what he does. He does show up exactly, like Mission a little ghost Impossible. protocol. Yeah, he's like, I'll be here briefly, and then I've got to go shoot some seasons of Lost. Oh no, I don't. It's over. But I'm leaving. He's anyway. on Intelligence, the show just called Intelligence, which I wish I had an exclamation point after it. <laughs> Strike me as a sort of thing. I guess he's a spy in that. Yeah, Intelligence. Well, it's like in Mission Protocols. Well, the funny thing in Sabotage, because all these guys look tough and they have goofy facial hair and whatnot. Uh, in Sabotage, the moment I recognized, oh, that's Josh Holloway, then he dies. <laughs> oh, um, that's his function. I guess yep. so. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but anyway, so they, uh, I'm sitting here throughout this stupid thing waiting for Gina Carano to show up. And I'm getting like halfway through it, and all the characters are introduced, and we've got this little mystery set up. And by the way, it's a stupid mystery. Because it's a mystery without a question. So they've stolen money from the Mexican cartel, and they start dying one by one, and they're thinking, oh, the Mexican cartel's going to kill us. What are we doing? And then like two-thirds of the way into the movie, they discover, wait a minute, this isn't the Mexican cartel. It's one of us. Like it becomes a uh, – and the thing is – I wish it was the devil. Like that's what they find out. Like a way we're possessed. Well, I will say that they the realize res- they're in an elevator. <laughs> I will say that the resolution of it. I mean, the whole thing is stupid. I don't recommend it. But the resolution of it is was kind of cool. Like how they who's doing it. Yeah, like how they explain I that. Auto. I liked her in Haywire. Well, so here's the thing then, Kelly Wan. If you go to sabotage, you're going to get about two thirds of the way through this looking for Gina Carano. Uh, and you're going to realize, wait, all oh, the characters have been introduced. Well, when is she going to get in? Like, I guess there's going to be some late, like maybe she's the killer or something. And so then you're watching the rest of the movie, and you discover who the killer is. And you're like, well, like, okay, I guess it's not her. Maybe she'll come in at the last minute. She represents the cartel or something. Who knows? And then the movie's over, and she never showed up. And you're an idiot because she's not even in it. Wait, and then there's an Easter egg? What's the... <laughs> no, she's in another movie that comes out uh, later this year called, I think, In the Blood or something. So the point of the story is you're dumb and you got two movies mixed up. Right, exactly. But you wanted well, to tell us everything that happened in the movie <laughs> you thought she was in before you went. Incidentally, the point of the story is... She is not... see another movie. Yeah, if you want to see Gina Carano in a movie, do not go see Sabotage. Good. Wait, you made it sound so good looking for someone who's not in it. That sounds really intriguing. So I... A mystery. I, I find it an, uh, no question. An, <laughs> Where's Gita Carano? She's <laughs> not in it. I'll pick up Waldo. Uh, I, I always like to How's find... How's Hardy? You didn't... Uh, I feel like you're glossing over sabotage too much. No, Arnold's terrible in this. He's so awful. And it, it tries to play him as the, like, tortured soul. Like, it, it's not playing him as the joke that he is, which... And it tanked, by the way. It didn't make any money. Uh, it's it's his lowest opening movie in 30 years. <laughs> he would have made a cool no, actually. Uh, well, let's get to that. But first, I do oh. want to say, in Sabotage, there's one thing. I, I try to look for one thing, no matter how bad a movie is. I'm convinced in any movie, you can find one thing that's either worthwhile or interesting. News crawls for you. That, nope, or that you've never seen before. Um, so the one thing in Sabotage that I'd never seen before... Uh, you know, we play video games on this podcast. We we know the different genres. There are first-person shooters. Uh, there are first-person shooters, and there are also third-person shooters. In Sabotage, you see the stupid little shot where it's from the perspective of a first-person shooter, you know, where they're shooting down the barrel. It looks like a video game. You, of course, 
most shootouts in a, in a movie are third person. There is a second person shooter sequence <laughs> in Sabotage. Would you care to guess how that works? Uh, I do not choose. <laughs> so imagine one of I mean, those, sorry, sorry. Imagine one of those little uh, micro cameras that people are fond of mounting on things. Breaking Bad constantly would have a scene like this, where a little micro camera would be mounted on something, uh, something someone was moving. I think at one point Jesse's digging a hole with a shovel, and they put a micro camera on the end of the shovel, stuff like that. So they put a micro camera on the tip of a pistol pointed backwards at the dude who's shooting the gun. So you just see the tip of the gun, and you're looking down the barrel of it at the dude who's shooting it while he's swinging the gun around, firing. And so there you go, second-person shooter. Wait, you're the target. <laughs> the least interesting part of the gunfight is the guy pulling What's the What's he doing with his face that you're looking at? He's just being all tough and shootery. And shooting. Shoot, he's aiming. You're and it's, he... not even, it's not even Schwarzenegger, by the way. It's one of the ancillary characters who gets killed, who is not famous. Nobody knows who he is. It's during his shootout. For whatever reason, they put a micro camera facing backwards on the tip of his pistol. That guy was cast for how he looks when he aims. <laughs> is he having sex at the same time he's doing that? Uh, I don't. Girl can help with the aim there, though. That's why <laughs> it's better. So you guys are welcome. There, I saw sabotage, so you don't have. To. How'd you wind up at it? You always gloss over that part, like eh, it just happened. Oh, I you did land it. I parachuted down, and there was sabotage. No, oh, I did it too. For I saw Noah, I saw sabotage, and I saw three hundred again. So there. Boom! <laughs> what? You saw three hundred a third time? I, well, most of it. I didn't. I didn't see the whole thing. <laughs> Hold up, dude. Yeah, I love it. I'm just. I. I I do too, but I don't think I've watched it again. Well, this is maybe a spoiler, but I need a, a, a palate cleanser after sitting through Sabotage and Noah. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I want to see something that I like. <laughs> Sabotage and Noah, as God intended. Oh, spoiler. Well, Kelly Wan, let's get to it. So, Oh, wait, no, not you. Uh, Dingus. <laughs> not you. What, uh, what did we see this week besides Sabotage? All right, well, this week we saw Noah. Mm. A 2014 American adventure drama epic biblical-inspired disaster fantasy movie mm. about the benefits of being a vegetarian. Awesome. It was directed by Darren Aronofsky. <sighs> Yay! And written by him and Ari Handel, who did the story of The Fountain, by the way. Uh, it stars Russell Crowe, Jennifer Connelly, Emma Watson, Logan Lerman, and Frank Langella. Dingus, it... Wait, what? He left out Winstone. Wait, Frank Langella? Yeah. He was the voice of the rock dude. Yeah, he's Og. Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't stay for the credits because I had to get to Sabotage. Uh, Dingus, is Gina Carano in Noah? Uh, She is, but she's uncredited. She's one of the females who's being traded. She's fucking owned with an axe. Noah is rated PG-13 for violence. Yeah. Disturbing images and brief, suggestive content. And that would be <laughs> Russell Crowe's butt. No, it would be it would be the the uh, the fertilizing moment. I think where he plants the seed. Well, not oh, oh. oh. <laughs> seeing his butt suggestive of the content. Hey, he touched my belly. Oh, I want you uh, on Metacritic, which is. Uh, Average rating from various reviews. Noah is at 68. Oh, oh one shy. On Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of Noah reviews that are positive, it's at 75%. Huh. Noah opened with $44 million. Uh, did Fuck. very well. Um, it is actually, the, this isn't saying much at this point, 
Um, we'll see how it goes at the end of the year. It's currently the fourth biggest opening of the year. What? And furthermore, yeah. So it goes, uh, I actually love that. It. it goes, um, Lego movie, <laughs> Div- Divergent. I'm going to find a pattern here. I 300 promise. Rise of an Empire. It fell, uh, Noah fell $1 million short of tying 300's opening. I love that. I, I don't too. know why. Yeah. Uh, and now here's, similar. A, here's a sad thing. Uh, so how many movies, uh, Aronofsky's done, uh, Pi, Requiem for a Dream, The Fountain. Am I missing one? Has he just done three uh, other movies? I know he did The Wrestler. Oh, The Wrestler, right. That's four, right. So Noah has already made more money than the other four movies combined. Yeah, but Requiem for a Dream is better than all the other movies combined. But wait, that's sad to me, that Noah's opening weekend has made more money than Pi, Requiem, The Wrestler, and The Fountain combined. No, um, talking about their opening weekend in their lifetime run. Oh, God, really? Yeah, but nothing makes as much money as it should. That's never. There's never justice. Darren Aronofsky's movies have not made forty-four million dollars up to this point. That, that's stunning to me. It's and, and to be fair, it's just box office. So, uh, but which is but, apparently, um, you're okay with that, Kelly. You're okay with that. No, but remember when you obviously support that. <laughs> Do you know what? No, I the Huffington Post. Um, their their headline was for Noah being the top box office. Oh, what? I can't wait to hear this. It Noah's... Was, Noah surfs at box office. <laughs> oh, I saw sales. Although the it, sur- it sales. surfs to number one. <laughs> surfs. I don't it drowns that. the competition. Very good guy. <laughs> oh, ouch. Come on, let the competition in. Pairs of moviegoers. Ah, very good. Come on with bone knots like that, then how about you give us a Noah synopsis? Or perhaps a Noopsis? Yeah. The answer is yes to your question. Kelly Wan, I want you to sail it like you stole it. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, as we learned at the end of True Detective, there was nothing. There were universes. Then a shitload of lava worlds. One of them called Earth. Then God pelted it with rocks for a billion years. Then he made trilobites in the ocean and dinosaurs on the land. When they still failed after 500 million years to evolve religion, he dropped some more rocks on them. Then he finally, finally made two beings in his bisexual image, yellow and CG with no sex organs and prone to temptation. Then he made them as gardeners. The garden had one fruit tree in it with one fruit on it, although it looked kind of like a toe. He was all, don't eat that one. Then he put a snake in the garden that went, no, eat it. So the chick did and went, dude, taste this. (laughs) Which the dude had found usually led to something awesome. But what it tasted like is lost to history. Probably quinoa. But God was all, all right, you fuckheads are both fired. You're no longer my groundskeepers, but the snake can stay at the Earth's core. After they got evicted, Mr. and Mrs. Adam had a couple boy kids. To them, God was all, first kid, you I like. Other kid, fuck you. One day, the teacher's pet kid turned up dead from a rock to the head. The parents didn't care, so God was like, okay, I'll handle the murder investigation. Chapter 2, The Investigation. God turns on the hotline and goes, all right, look, there's only four of you on the planet, so that narrows it down. Kane, you're the one holding a rock covered with your brother's brain. Do you have something you'd like to share? Kane's all, look, nobody's perfect. What's my punishment? Does hell exist yet? God's all, uh, I made limbo, kind of going back and forth on whether to keep going. Look, you're a murder suspect. Quit trying to distract me. I can't prove anything, but it's almost 1130, so I'm guessing it was you, Kane. Do you confess? Uh... I thought you... Oh, skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> In keeping with my divine laws, your curse is to leave your parents, go have sex, and populate the entire planet. 
Kane's all, you made other women besides Ma? God's all, yeah, they're in this all-girl city called Nod. A lot of them are bi, actually. Hey, where are you going? Well, I think he learned his lesson. Okay, so guys, now we're kind of kid light. Uh, I might need one more. Also, from now on, wear this snakeskin armband as a sign of everything that's happened. Asteroids and shit. Adam was all, the skin of the reptile that fucked us over? Chapter 3, Tears of the Rock Monsters. <laughs> all God's angels love what mankind, i.e. Cain's evil descendants, got up to, killing and burning stuff. So they came down to Earth to help out in these areas. But God was all, I have mixed feelings about this, so he CG'd them into rock dudes. Their way of helping mankind consisted of being hunted by them. Luckily for rocks, the latest snakeskin guy would stab the ground with his sword, which burned armies alive. One day, the 18th, Noah and his son were harvesting rocks. The kid found a flower and picked it. Noah was all, Shem, we only take what we need. If we don't pick flowers, there'll be more bees to sting us. That means more cows to sacrifice, since we don't need those. God loves the smell of burning meat. The kid was all, why don't we just use Grandpa's magic pine cone to make a shitload of flowers? Suddenly, a dog wearing chainmail showed up with a hair. <laughs> Noah was all, fucking cavemen. Then the cavemen showed up. Noah was all, stop hurting things with metal tools. Then he killed them all with an axe. Chapter 4, The End of the World Begins. That night, Noah woke up screaming and walked outside. Jennifer Connelly was all, what now? <laughs> no, so, uh, there's going to be a water apocalypse, so we got to go to Grandpa's cave, cut down a forest, and make a boat. You'll be spending the next six months cleaning up animal shit, and there might be some child sacrifice afterwards, and me getting bombed on the beach while you and the kids make houses out of seaweed and gourds. She was all interesting. Chapter 5. Things happen some more. It was easy. The guy just was transcribing it from the actual text. On the way to Grandpa's nap cave, they found a gravel pit with no dead people in it, but there was a girl with a stomach wound. Noah was all, firstborn, seems we've found thee a wife, my dearest and favorite son. The other son was all, what about me, Pop? Do I get a Hermione? <laughs> Noah's all, I thought I told you to keep breaking rocks till I lose interest. Here, you carry your brother's wife while they make out. Fuck, cavemen. Ham, hold them off. Never mind, a rock monster. We're good. Fuck, the monsters put us in a pit. Never mind. I told him about a dream I had. Off to Grandpa's. Chapter 6, a footnote. I think Ham's supposed to be black in the book version. Chapter 7, would-be raiders of the found ark. Noah and friends find Grandpa sleeping on his rocks again, enjoying the fruits of his long and faithful service. He gives them a pine cone that CGs a magical, beautiful forest for them to hack to pieces to make their boat with the rock monsters before God drowns the forest. One day, Connolly slapped the back of her neck. Pretty sure we got a couple more than two fucking mosquitoes. Also, I invented a magic smoke that puts all organisms to sleep but us. Ham knew a guy. Noah was all good work, although I credit Shem for this. Ham, here, take these fleas and poodles to first class. I gotta talk to this mob of assholes. Neighbor, my million people and I couldn't help but notice the dodos and paramecium's cruising this way. We'll be blowing shit up and torturing Veal on a trampoline down in the woods if you change your mind. Chapter 8. No rainbow yet, huh? Noah was all good news, Ham. Your grandfather used a hand gesture to make this sexy Hermione girl horny as fuck. Now she can bear your brother many, many children after tons of amazing sex. Aren't you happy for him? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, So I met this chick in a gravel pit. She's really into mom's cruncher snacks. Ham! I told you we take only what we need. 
Yeah, it's just, you know, I thought in the book version I had a wife, too. Mine's stuck in a bear trap? Steel doesn't even exist yet. Ham, that's enough. Now your brother's girlfriend needs more room for her happiness, so you'll be bunking with these snakes and flies. <laughs> Chapter 9, The Flood, finally. The flood started. God was all, Hopkins, for your 900 years of loyal service of saving things <laughs> I cursed and sleeping in your cave, please savor this token of my esteem in your final moments in this rainy mud. After 40 days and 40 nights, Hopkins found a single strawberry deep underground. Just as he was about to chew it, he was all, wait, final what? Then God drowned him. God covered the entire earth with water. The dolphins and fish were all, thanks, God. This were your chosen ones. Chapter 10, Here We Know Again. In keeping with God's plan, Noah and the rock monsters had to kill a bunch of dipshits, trying to take the ark by force. Although they took so long to drown, Noah's family got bored. Then one day, Ham was on guano detail on deck seven when he found Ray Winstone hanging out down there. Ham was all, you going to eat all that unicorn? Ray Winstone was all, let's kill you, Dad, and split the Hermione. Bum bum, he doesn't have more lines now. Ham said sure, but changed his mind at the last second. Then Noah arbitrarily decided God wanted him to stab his granddaughters to death, but changed his mind at the last second. Then a bird came with an olive branch. The ship ran aground. Noah got drunk, and Ham left to find a new home in the ocean. God went, mission accomplished, and as a sign of his eternal mercy, he brought the landmass back up to 30%, along with a few seconds of rainbow. Amen. All right, thank you, Kelly Horn. I, I did what I could. Uh, well, how did you feel about what you had to work with? Mm, I liked it because it was weird. <laughs> okay, I can certainly... It really answer. wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and I was like, wow, he made a fucking Noah movie with rock dudes. <laughs> and, here we are, talking uh, about Noah. Yeah, here we are talking about Noah, and I was, and there was a lot of, there were a lot of old folks in the theater, like, you know, on those, um... What are those, like, motor scooters old people have? Segways. Yeah, they're on their Segways. They're rascals, come on. Yeah, they're on rascals. Thank you, Dingus. Um, <laughs> so Segways. And they just seemed thrilled by it, and I was fascinated and just kind of amused by that phenomenon, so it kind of made me like the movie. Like, I can like dumb things made by people I like, I think. <laughs> I, I do exactly. love the idea, as I was watching it, I, I love the idea of church groups going to see this. It's <laughs> not really knowing what they're in for. A Russell Crowe holding a knife to a couple babies, for the, like, which isn't even in the story. Well, and the rock uh, monster stuff, and all of that, and they call yeah. you know, all that stuff about angels, and they never call God, God. I mean, no, they call him the creator, and there's a little bit of evolution. It's just such a weird... But evolution uh, stops right at monkeys, by the way. I noticed that. There's the yeah. evolution montage. <laughs> they get to monkeys, and then they cut... They fade to black. <laughs> they were not going to show you test audiences, and they and and they showed him different cuts. But Aronofsky was was doing a requiem for a dream, and like, nope, you got to do the cut I wanted. So this was like his cut. Like he overrode them for the whole movie. You mean? Yeah, for the or whole not movie. Just the so evolution they cut out of it. Yeah, it was all in there that he wanted. Right. So it's like the studio notes were ignored. So that was interesting, which is kind of unusual too for a hundred million dollar budget. This was a $100 million movie? I think so, yeah. Jesus. Uh, Dingus, what did you think of, of Noah? A graphic novel, even. It's crazy. But then the fountain's like... What are you talking about a graphic novel, even? 
I think that's how he pitched this. Oh, uh, no, those are called storyboards. Just People do storyboards these days. They call them graphic novels, whatever. We'll give him fucking $50 million even for The Fountain, but they'll give him $100 million for this movie, which to me is interesting. <laughs> I wasn't bored. I was kind of okay. like, here I am watching Noah. Okay, sorry. Back to Dingus. <laughs> I wasn't bored. Back to Dingus. Um, I loved the first half of this. Uh, I absolutely loved the whole um, – once, once I realized we're sort of in this uh, almost sci-fi fantasy version of it, – it's as if it's as if Darren Aronofsky looked at the bio- biblical story, which is very, very short, as, as like a story outline. And then he fleshed it out based on what he thought the story should be. And the, the first part of it, which felt like it had a lot of these great touching points with the fountain um, – I really loved that the beginning. I I totally loved the Watchers, even though it's like watching Treebeard wander around in stone instead of wood. Um, I I really grooved on his dreams. I liked the way uh, Darren Aronofsky was uh, was talking about how the creator was communicating with him and how he had to interpret all of that. I loved the Clint Mansell soundtrack at the beginning. Uh, so for the first half of it, I was totally on board and, and just in love with what he was trying to do. Uh, but then when it becomes this weird, there's a mob assaulting, and it, it, he just starts making totally uninteresting choices, and it becomes a soap opera, really bad fights and stowaways. It, be, it just becomes terrible once once it's a, a siege monster movie. Uh, but at the beginning, I really was on board, and then it just tanks like you wouldn't believe. Dang, I was that rem- really disappointed in where it went. That battle reminded me of like a tower defense game or something. Yeah. <laughs> I could, I could but with see no it. rules. Nah, that, well, who knows? He goes, all right, I'm going to come oh. back. And then he comes back, and then... Noah, is it you? Hurry up. Get between my legs. <laughs> and, then he, and then the bad guys had made those giant bamboo walls. But what, to keep out Noah? He's not going to come. Well, I'm afraid, it, you know... I don't really, uh, and this is this is one of those moments where, where Tom's admonition not to worry about source material really worked for me, because I just kept thinking. I mean, I know this story pretty well. I grew up on this stuff. I just kept thinking it is, is that it doesn't really matter whether or not he's following that stuff. He took this as as a story idea and he went with it. He's telling uh, he's telling his own version of it, and he's doing using fantastical elements and and maybe fantasy or sci-fi or whatever. And I was totally cool with that. But then the the choices just became increasingly less interesting, and the actors couldn't even handle the material. I mean, it was just sad. Yeah, when we get to the knife fight with Kane in the hold of the ship, I mean, at that point, everything that I was enjoying previous had just been sort of wiped from my memory. Uh, yeah. Once again, I, I'm kind of reminded of, like, nonstop is where you were – you still retained some fondness for the first part, but I just felt so betrayed by the end of it that I didn't even care about the intriguing first part. That's the same thing for me here. I was enjoying some of the first part. It was intriguing. I did like some of the choices he was making, this idea of just taking the Noah story and doing your own thing, but it just got so awful by the time it was over that by the by the time I walked out of the theater, I was just like, forget – I was just so angry at how stupid and awful and 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 misguided this whole movie was. Uh, <laughs> anything interesting early on, completely squandered, didn't go anywhere. Uh, I don't feel there's any meaningful point here. I don't even know what the point of the movie is. I think it, it comes down to ultimately, okay, you decide, Noah, whether humanity is worth saving. And that – what does that have to do with the story of Noah? That's That's not at all – 
how I mean, why would you use the story of Noah and to why make him? some point about, yeah, exactly, about one guy who randomly gets to decide, okay, am I going to have humanity continue or am I going to end it? You know, that's not what God, and again, I guess this isn't about the God of the Old Testament. It's not about the same God, in which case I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, well, why are you even naming this guy Noah? Why are we acknowledging so many different Cultures have these flood myths, you know, yeah. this creation, uh, creationism about a flood. And if you're going to specifically refer to one of them, it's kind of like making Great Gatsby and missing the entire point of Great Gatsby, you know. Uh, well and, and I, I kind of feel like the same. the same thing is going on here with Noah. And even as it's going on, I'm thinking, oh, he's doing a kind of an Abraham thing where right. he's like testing Noah's faith to see if he JK. will murder. And exactly right. But then it's not even that. It's like. He doesn't. God has no part no. in any of this. It's just Russell Crowe seeing another oh, cute babies. I'm not going to kill him. Yeah, there was nothing about the babies in the dream. He was our like Jennifer goes, oh, better not tell him. And then it was like, well, okay, I just, so if they're boy kids, it's good. Two points for the whole problem. I, I feel kind of like the, as far as the movie's own internal rules that it's setting up, that Noah has this conviction and he's going to do this thing. He fails. You know, he fails to do what he, this task that he feels is set out for him, which is to preserve the innocent things. And he is of this philosophical bent that we are all, and this is very Christian, by the way, that we're all inherently, that there's, there's sin in all of us, even little babies. Uh, that's this, this philosophy that he learns in the course of the movie, and he just changes his mind at the end. He doesn't have a change in philosophy. He just sees that the babies are cute and he changes his mind. And I kind of feel like all of that goes into, in, in the biblical story of Noah, there's this weird little passage where he gets drunk afterwards. Right. And he's naked, and his sons are kind of laughing at him, like, ah, dad's drunk and naked, and they throw a blanket on him. And nobody really knows, you know, you, you, you ask someone, what does that mean? And it, people can interpret it different ways. It's just this weird little detail that's well, in the Bible. It's a curse that he it's Right, and then it, it ends up being, right, it ends up being a textual support for why the people of, why Semitic people are good and non-Semitic people are bad. And, right. and Noah then curses his sons, whatever. It's, it's a silly little biblical detail. So I kind of feel like Aronofsky and, and uh, Ari Handel are like, well, we have this thing where he's drunk and sulking and, and he's really bummed out. Let's record it. Yeah, how are we going to, exactly, how are we going to explain this? Oh, he's betrayed his own philosophy. So that's why he then gets drunk. And I'm kind of like, well, what? That doesn't here? make sense either. Right. That's a pretty retcon. If you're going to retcon it, because I was kind of looking forward to it, like, oh, how do they get a retcon? Because there's no way the ham thing is going to happen as written in the book. Right. And when it, by that scene, I'm like, wait, Shem covers him, the whole th and then he's leaving on his own? I don't understand. And you're right. He doesn't do the whole curse thing, which is – yeah. So I don't – I you know why are they – if they're bothering with the source material – and again, I love people disregarding source material. But if you want to make a movie about Noah, what does this have to do with anything? As, a, as, the, as an atheist, I agree, totally agree with you guys. Like the rules of the movie didn't make sense. Right, right. Like, I was kind of like, I was enjoying the first hour, too. Like, oh, okay, it's him. He's the guy. Everything else sucks. This is why it's, it, this is the wickedness that men do. And then by the end, I was like, wait, who, he's not, the guy didn't, and he's in the arc, too. I was really puzzled. 
But it's not just the rules of the movie for me. It's the actual filmmaking because that whole sequence where he grabs grapes and makes wine and gets drunk and then, okay, I'm going to go over and dig in the dirt with her for a minute. It just feels tacked on. It's like we're going to try to cover all of these plot points all of a sudden when we haven't cared about this other stuff. It's just like, okay, I just want to show you all these things. Let's hurry up and get them in, and then we're going to have uh, Ham walk off like the secret life of Walter Mitty in the end, and uh, the next movie is going to be called Ham, and that's it. Uh, I didn't understand oh, the, film, the filmmaking. Is, it's poor writing at the end. It's It just yeah. sort of yes. falls apart. I mean, if you're going to have, which I thought was really kind of interesting, um, this idea of Noah going mad because of the enormity of the task that has been put at his feet and the idea of these innocents that he's had to protect and now has lost bits of along the way and all of the creatures that have have been lost and must be gnawing at him. If you're going to play with that and the value of life and the, the, the continuation of the human race, then do that. But Tom's right. Don't just have him then stumble out and go, oh, they're cute. <laughs> they were cute, to be fair, though. Dickens. They were very cute, but if he's, if he's descended into madness, then go with that. And they even do this the stupid fake-out in the movie where he's lifting the dagger, and it's slowly coming you know down, what's and Emma watches it. Right, exactly. You know that... It's not surprising. Well, because we're sitting here watching the movie. You know, Otherwise, <laughs> we would not exist. Uh, right, yeah. That point. Um, <laughs> That's true. We're the spoiler. Right. <laughs> There's so uh, many more interesting things going on on that boat and in the world. I mean, this is the worst the conveyed storm ever, and it's supposed to be the most amazing storm that's ever happened. Uh, and there's so many interesting things that are going on, you know, morally and physically on that boat that we don't see in favor of a terrible stowaway story and a fight that is terribly staged and ridiculous. I don't understand why he lapses into this terrible soap opera instead of going with what he's gone with before, which is this amazing fantasy story that he sort of starts to construct. I don't... I, even the fantasy story that was being constructed, I kind of... I, I didn't really... Know, I, again, I love the idea of churchgoers going in droves to see this movie, and that's that I think is part of why it's doing well, and part of what the studio was worried about was... Will we alienate churchgoers? Will senior citizens go for rock monsters? And and they didn't show any of that, by the way, in the trailer. After I got out oh. of the movie, I watched the trailer, and I was like, oh, pretty sweet. I'm not alone. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. I was worried about oh, it. It's gone. Yeah, you guys yeah. are making it clear. Exactly. When he says, I'm not alone, and that becomes uh, a moment for the rock monsters to appear and run off Ray Winstone, yeah. they show that moment in the movie, but right, they stop before the rock monsters come back. Right. Noah says... I'm not alone, and so you figure exactly. So you figure a church guard would think, okay, oh, it's going to be about how God is with. Yeah, he means God. Uh, and again, God is not the traditional Old Testament. God is not in here. Nobody talks directly to Noah. Uh, you know, he gets a little vision, but there's there's no sense of, you know, God in the Old Testament is named. He's got a name. He's Yahweh or, or the Lord or uh, Hashem or El. Uh, you know, there's a specific entity that's referred to. It's just kind of this generic, the Creator in, in this movie. Um, so I think churchgoers go into this, and like I wonder too, will they think that all this stuff is is in the Bible too, like yeah. about the angels that get crusted in rock? <laughs> <laughs> right? Is that exactly? Because there are weird little bits in the Bible about giants and stuff, and maybe yeah. churchgoers think, oh, this must be one of those kinds of things. And there is magic, by the way, in the Bible, because Anthony Hopkins has his "Go to Sleep Now" spell and his "Okay, you can have babies now" spell. Um, so uh, there's shitloads of magic, and there's right. miracles and war. 
It's actually really cool. Like that, I read it when I was a kid, like the whole thing, and that was what attracted me to it. Was, it was like a Greek myth, just like tons of bloodbaths. And uh, I don't recall any of that. Like, I, I don't recall any battles around the Ark. Like, I don't recall there being a pitch. No, I don't either. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, well, no, the thing is, what, what happens is the, the folks all gather around and mock him. Right. Yeah. Rich, ah, you and your yeah. stupid boat. And it's, it's not this faceless mo- – well, it's not faceless. It's a Ray Winstone-faced – mob that that i mean it's just such an uninteresting choice to me to have this like gigantic horde that is commanded by ray winstone uh tubal cane uh instead of having like a group of individuals who are mocking him um and what and and noah having to convince people of what he's doing or trying to even his own family and that he's the only person in the world besides this mob of evil people led by Ray Winstone that's the entire human race except for Noah's family. That's the implication as opposed to people jeering at him like the townspeople going, there's crazy old boat builder. Yeah, I think a better Noah movie is Take Shelter. Yeah. Ah. I like Swish from lot. Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone uh, see it? He might have learned a little something. Uh, that, that, that can't... So, it, it was interesting to me how there was this implicit message, Dingus referred to it before, about vegetarianism. <laughs> don't eat animals. Don't hunt animals. Only take what we need. You don't need meat. Um, and there's this idea, you know, and Ray Winstone eats the animals. He's <laughs> like, oh, there's only one left. Or no, there's only one of me. I thought he was going to make a joke about there's only one animal left, whatever lizard head he eats. But uh, there's this idea that Noah and his family, they don't eat meat. So uh, when they set up the camp and they set up the little hunting traps, including one of which traps um, – by the way, was that guy's girlfriend named Lyle? No, it's Niel, I think. I thought it was Lyle. I think it's, I think he met a chick named Lyle. Yeah, it's, it's Lyle Lovett. <laughs> but so they set up the traps. So this whole camp, it's like the uh, the stake and rape camp, which is right outside of the, the, the <laughs> boat there. Oh. And it's just so ridiculous, this – this uh, it's like a road warrior thing. Yeah, it's this representation of the evil of humanity. They have steel. Not only do they have steel, Kelly, they have welders' masks. Yeah, though they're not using acetylene torches. I know. Like, wait, wait a minute. What's after that? Hobbit well, well, That's actually a nod to who Tubal King was. was. He was he was a he was a, a steel worker. I mean. Just like uh, Who's that, Tubal that, Cain. Okay. What are you even on? I don't know what that is, Dingus. Tubal Cain is the name of the character that Ray Winstone was playing. Right, uh, so but you don't need a, a welding mask unless you've got an acetylene torch. Am I right? Right? Uh, right. Yeah. Minor and Abel was the shepherd. He's not actually Cain. He's Tubal Cain. I know, but I don't understand what you're saying. Tubal. What does that mean? Tubal Cain was. Yeah, that's his name. That's the name of the character that oh. Tubal Dash Cain or Tubal Cain. You can put it together. Do they call him that in the movie Tubal? It yeah, but, but they they constantly flub it. I mean, he's a descendant of Cain. His, his his father's name is the same name as Noah's father's name, but they're slightly different. They're not the same. Oh, I didn't even make that connection because you're right. The whole age thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He would have been older than Methuselah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, they did have. Uh, they were messing with the Zohar. You know that that that. Don't mess with the Zohar. Right, that rock stuff, that glowy rock stuff. That uh, I don't know what that was. But what was that? It was superpower stuff. It was like kryptonite, Kelly Wan. It's, it's an energy source. Yeah, it's a midichlorian. But was it good or evil or neither? Well, it's no, supposed it could, to be uh, fossil fuels. It's it's a. I mean, I, I mean, I think oh, that's it's sort of oil. like hacking and fossil fuels and whatnot. It's oil. Thank you, Darren Aronofsky. That's what that. Yeah. Was. <laughs> I learned something. 
Uh, well, did you have things that you really, really like though? Were there? Did you have favorite moments? There's some really cool it? shots. Yeah, yeah there are. Like, yeah. you like the one where the demon goes up and you see the flood all over the world? Kinda I like, did like the world covered in hurricanes. Like that's yeah. cool. And it's not a demon. Did you just call it a demon, Kelly Wand? It's an angel. What's the matter with yeah. you? What's wrong? With well, when they go to they come to Earth, it's like how asteroids are called demons. What? <laughs> I don't understand. They fall to Earth. They're earthbound angels. They become demons. Like, yeah, well, Lucifer's not called an angel still. So. Did you learn this from I, Frankenstein? You told me. <laughs> yes. Was that the name of that fucking thing? Uh, let's see. Like Dingus, forever, so yeah. you obviously liked something. What did you like, Dingus? Come on. Um, let's see. I did really like the Watchers very much. Okay. I, I like when they when they return from Mount Methuselah, uh, and the little kid is running in the Watcher's legs and playing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that moment where it's like uh, snakes and and um, and <laughs> mom goes snakes are coming. I loved that. There was like a nice. bit of humor, one little bit of humor where snakes are coming. Okay, gotta uh, laugh because you know oh, women and snakes. It's a little nod to the beginning of Genesis. Um, and dicks. Well, yeah. Oh, that was for Thomas. I enjoyed charting Russell Crowe's various hairstyles. Oh yeah, I loved it he when knows, he's like at one point he becomes Marco Ramius from the uh, Hunt for October. I don't know who that is, but I think he did become it's Kenny Rogers so at one point. He had a great <laughs> Kenny Rogers style that Kenny Rogers do. Uh, I didn't like his crazy biker gig, like where he had the bigger beard and the shaved head. It looked, it totally looked like like what the character from Romper Stomper would have grown into eventually. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like when he had that going, so I liked it. He had at one point when he was on the Ark, uh, and I guess they were on there for nine months, uh, his hair was going out, and it had this kind of spiky's 80 quality to it, 80s quality. Um, so that's the, that is sort of like what uh, Sean Connery looks like in Hunt for Red October. He's what's got, his name in Hunt for Red October? Marco Rubio? Marco Ramius, not Marco oh. Rubio. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I, do, I do wish... It would have really, I mean, because that moment where Ray Winstone bites off the head of whatever we can't see because it's so dark, or when he eviscerates the other animal we can't see because it's so dark. PG-13, um, Dingus. Do they well, take it, plants with them, too? It's just this idea, like, like of the that that uh, that chainmail-wearing animal at the beginning, the pangolin wolf creature. Um, when it first shows up, I'm like, that doesn't exist. We don't have any record of that kind of... And then I was like, oh, well... That's one of the species that. Oh he yeah. Why, why didn't it get on the ark? Yeah. Well, what's why not? I, who knows? It could have been one of the things that Ray Winstone eats. Um, and and the very idea of how Noah is so so obsessed with life as far as saving these innocent creatures, and that if even one of them is killed, that's the end of that creature. And how enormous a thing that is. And and unfortunately, you have Ham. Uh, and I don't think Logan Lerman handles anything well in this movie. I'm thinking who's that? In it. He's the, he's Ham. He's he's the kid. He's do we know he him was, from something? Yeah, he was in Three Ten to Yuma. Um, he's oh, the he's Christian Bale's son. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and I liked him in that, but in here he just kind of has the same expression, sort of like I'm not going to close my mouth expression. <laughs> um, and then it's a tough he, role. he eats the meat, and nothing ever really comes of that. And then during the fight, he's just sort of hanging back, waiting for his cue. Um, but that that moment where Ray Winstone kills one of the creatures, and you have to assume that's going on for months, that he has decimated entire species, and what that would do to Noah to know that that has been going on. You don't explore any of that. I did not notice. That's fascinating to me. 
Well, let's okay. So let's get into this because this is again something that's that's not in the story. And I guess if Aronofsky and Handel want to put this, am I right? I think it's Ari Handel. Am I saying his name right? Yeah, you're right. If they want to put this in their story, that's fine. More power to them. Um, but I did find it a little curious that there was this, you know, let's, <laughs> let's, no way they don't know about. No, uh, no. I was going to say I find it a little <laughs> curious that they want this message in there about how animals are innocent and need to be saved. It's this very contemporary environmentalist approach to the yes. Noah story. Is that this idea of innocence? We're not talking about original sin and humanity. We're talking about animals. You know, animals are the innocent ones. They're the ones that we shouldn't eat. You know, God. Uh, you don't even pick flowers. There's this idea that nature don't do anything bad to hurt nature and don't eat animals. Um, and that, of course, is not part of the, the Old Testament in any in any way whatsoever. Certainly not part of the Noah story. Um, it, I, and it, it just seemed a little odd that uh, it, it it I guess it were it just felt a little forced to me. Uh, it, it stood out. Uh, New agey. New agey, new agey for old, especially for Old Testament. Well, a lot of it goes in that vent. I mean, that that moment where Jennifer Connelly's saying, "I want my kids to be happy." I mean, this this idea of falling in love and being happy. I mean, there, there, a lot of that's that's a, a sort of modern sentimentality, which is okay with me. But but the thing Tom's talking about is absolutely right. Well, I don't know where they're are- going. Animals are mean and nasty. Like, they kill each other. I don't know what they do. That state rape camp would be like a picnic for animals. I mean, animals are like that. They're not animals. Yeah, they're carnivores. They're they're carnivores, and nature is brutal and and, and them. It kills them more than we do. It's like 99% of the species that exist on Earth are dead. But they're they're not fucking themselves. They're not fucking each other over for percentage, I think. (laughs) Uh, They are, though. That's the thing. And we're them. But the, the, and then there's the a moment where Ray Winstone actually uh, says something about, and this is part of the discussion when you talk about environmental issues in, in the Bible. Ray Winstone says something about we were given dominion over the earth, and therefore we must subdue it. Uh, and I remember being in uh, at divinity school, and and. There were there were classes like there there I remember having a class on this this issue of environmentalism and how do you reconcile that with the Old Testament? Are there environmental issues in the Bible? Uh, and and that word dominion was was kind of key. And dominion is of course a translation from a Hebrew word, but the Hebrew word and even the word dominion doesn't imply subduing something necessarily. It implies more like being a caretaker, right. you know, heart cultivating it, stewardship. Um, Stewardship, exactly. Uh, so Ray Winstone like has his his little misreading of the Bible in there, um, but I don't think you need to, to imply that all animals are innocent and that we shouldn't eat meat. It just seemed like this weird vegetarian apology. Although, aren't like isn't Jacob like the the shepherd and then Esau is the hunter? Like, isn't the favored brother always the vegetarian brother? No. <laughs> I mean, yes, that, they do have different careers, uh, but I don't but, think. But it's it, it's it's explicit here. I mean, he, Noah says that they they think that they get their strength from eating animals, right, exactly. Yes, and and they've forgotten that they get their strength from the Creator. So we're just going to scrape moss and eat that. Right, right. Uh, and there's nothing like there's no real support for that in the, in the Old Testament. No, I, I mean God God demands He's that they get berries. God demands that people sacrifice sacrifice animals. Yeah. For him. So there, there's no sense of that in the Bible. And kids. <laughs> Animals and kids. Uh, I love when the little girl asks Russell Crowe to sing to her, and I'm like, oh, sweetie, you haven't seen uh, Le Miserable, have you? <laughs> uh, come on. You guys well are so Russell Crowe. 
<laughs> I wished he'd been fatter. I so rather than having oh, I, this road oh, warrior so fight, funny. dude. I so wish that we had fat Russell Crowe. What was that Fist of Iron movie? What was that called? Where he was fat? Iron Fist. Iron Fist. Yeah. I so wish that it had been a story about instead of this cool survivor warrior dude who can take on Ray Winstone. If he'd just been a normal fat guy. No, he's got to kill dudes with axes. Oh, no, I want fat Russell he's Crowe. Back. I miss he fat does. Russell. He's got to make. He's got a lot of shit to he do. He doesn't have to do anything. The robot or the robots. The uh, the <laughs> rock. The Earth elementals do all the work. No, he's. He could totally this, be fat, Kelly Wan. Right? They can't. Yeah. They don't. They can't. The rock gods can't handle screwdrivers and shit. Yeah, there was no screwdrivers. It was all tar. By the way, worst boat ever. I, I was looking forward to like what the arc was going to look like, and I'm like, what? It's just a stupid shoebox. That's the worst ship design I've ever seen. I've noticed no one ever makes arcs like since. Like, oh they, yeah, an arc is obviously the best thing. For how this. does that thing keep from just sort of spinning around in the water and capsizing constantly? I, it was a terrible boat. I was reminded. Of, so I think the 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 message we're going to get into animals in a moment. The message of Noah is this: it is. Don't give Darren Aronofsky a lot of money. No, what? Because <laughs> when he's when the fountain no. was originally here's here's something that I thought of when we, when we have that that sweeping camera CG sequence where it's flying over the forest and we break into the clearing that he's made and we see the ark being built. I was I was reminded of the way the fountain was originally a one hundred plus million dollar uh, budget right. with, with Brad Pitt um, and Darren Aronofsky actually started production on that. I don't know if they ever started shooting, but he started building these huge sets in Australia. And these huge sets were built for the Conquistador scenes. And there were there were going to be like hundreds of extras in this thing. And uh, they built the sets, and then the Brad Pitt pulled out, the funding collapsed, and the fountain went into limbo for a while. Eventually, it, he picked it back up again with Hugh Jackman and a smaller budget. But these huge sets got built. And I was reminded of that when, when we break out into the, the first shot of the arc. Those sets, I'm sure they're down, they've been torn down by now, but those sets that he must have built in Australia to look like the conquistador scenes. Um, and, and I'm also so glad that the fountain, had, which by the way has no CG, like all the cool effects in the fountain are this macro photography stuff that he worked out with, uh, I think his name is Rafael Libertore, his, his, uh, director of cinematography um you know the the fountain was originally going to be this big huge sprawling production and nobody i have no idea what that would have turned out like but the fountain that we did get is much more intimate and personal and even the scenes of the conquistadors you know there's a couple of stuff that looks like it's shot in a sound stage or something and that's fine it totally works for the scale of the story which is incredibly cosmic by the way um and i like that the fountain doesn't have any big huge sets uh and and doesn't have crazy cg um so i think now that they threw this huge budget at Darren Aronofsky, he just made a mess of it. So don't give him lots of money. No, but now he got this out of his system, and he'll do something. I hope so. Uh, he found Nesk, and he'll have. He will what have was him. he supposed to do before he got involved so in this um, Superman Wolverine. movie? Wolverine. Wolverine. He had Wolverine. a project for a while, and that became the. Um, what did come out? Was the Day and Night uh, James Mangold? Uh, yeah, James movie Mangold. that we have now. Um, so he yeah. was working on Noah during when the fountain was going under with Brad Pitt. Like that's how long the script took for him to iron out the kinks of. So you should factor that in too. <laughs> Maybe so. though, if this didn't have, like, if this was a you know twenty million dollar budget, uh, if he didn't have it, if it wasn't like a Russell Crowe vanity project, you know, if he got someone else for it. Maybe Aronofsky had a dream 
of sent to him by Lindelof of the third act. One, two, three, not only you and me, got one eighty degrees <laughs> and I'm caught in between. Come one, two, three, Peter Pan, yeah. Uh, Ridley Scott, speaking of Prometheus, yes. by way of Damon Lindelof, is making a Moses movie with Christian Bale. <laughs> That's not true. I swear to God. Oh, I did you guys see you. the trailer for The Rock? Or no, Moses? we don't watch trailers. Uh, oh, no, but I'm looking forward to that. It's a Brett really Ratner awesome. unfortunately. Oh, Brett Ratner. I wish I didn't know that. That's unfortunate. <laughs> no way I'm watching that trailer. Are you kidding? That's Ratner. What are you going to do? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> not not what if you're not yeah. going to watch the movie. Why bother watching? Remember when you said Emma Watson was when she was in This Is the End? She decided they were all too stoned, so she left the production or something. Right. She she was supposed to be in that final scene with Channing Tatum in Chaps, and she uh, oh that was she, what? she left the set when she was kind of reprising the same role in this. Well, kind I don't of. think she was up to it either. Fives. <laughs> uh. Can I tell a brief little story? So I was once uh, uh, traveling. I was in Prague, actually, staying at a youth hostel. And one of the things, I don't know if you've ever been at a youth hostel, but there, there's a lot of merriment, a lot of drinking, and people hook up. And it's a, it's a great kind of party atmosphere. And I remember being at a youth hostel once, and there's probably about like four or five of us dudes and a bunch of chicks there. And there's this weird like competition for who can get the attention of the cutest chicks. It's like any party whatever and so i remember being at one of these and there are these cute australian girls and you can tell everybody's trying to impress the australian girls and at one point and i felt so cheap for doing this i did roll out the because i never do this shit on the bobby i did roll out the the, i was on beverly hills 90210 thing (laughs) i know i know it was really gross and thinking about you westwing i'm like uh office yeah but so uh but the other dude who was there, who all of us guys just hated this guy, and we're just glaring at him. This this guy totally blew us out of the water. His job was to tranquilize animals for transportation between zoos. So he had all these stories about how he had to tend to like a baby rhinoceros when they flew it to China from the Washington Zoo and about – you know, taking care of, of polar bears and <laughs> all this stuff. And the girls, the Australian girls, loved his stories. Oh. Because he was like a doctor to the animals. Uh, and I was like, oh, you jerk. And I just, I was, it was a little traumatic for me when I saw, uh, you know, they were tranquilizing all the animals with smoke in the ark in Noah. What do you think of that choice, by the way? That they had to knock out the animals? or that that They decided just to knock out all the birds and animals instead of dealing with them. I mean, no, that's, what people, that's what people do these days when they travel with animals. Yeah, but Jennifer Connelly invented it, didn't she? Or Noah. <laughs> it's, uh, They're alchemists. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, did, did that bother you, Dinkus? It bothered me that you lost out to that dude at the, this party. But this guy had great stories. I mean, and I liked them, too. And then so we put that one on about, the plane. No, he's talking about once, like, when they were flying in a, in a I actually think it was, like, when they were flying in the, the, an- the antidote, the tranquilizer wasn't working on an adult rhinoceros. Uh, and how he had to, like, calm it down in the, in the cargo hold of an airplane. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's an awesome story. And you raise your tag shark. Why, Dingus? What did you think of the animal tranquilizer? Uh, I, I think it's a, a practical solution, but I think it removes oh, a lot of interesting things that they could have been doing, and they just never dealt with the animals at all. 
It's just like, okay, here they are. We're going to put yeah, them in the smoke. True. They did. And we're not going to deal with them one bit. We don't have they to. They had to make it arc. We're not going to bring food. Animal. We're not going to deal with any uh, medical issues. We're not going to deal with the animals at all. This and is the most interesting right. part of the story for yep. me, and we're just not going to even deal with it. And when the arc lands, we're just going to use stock footage. Yep. <laughs> you don't even see the animals get off the arc or what happens to them or where and you they have no are. sense oh. of the time passage afterward. Yeah. The kids are still babies, but hey, look at all the animals having babies. That's really What's going weird. going on? It's very strange. All right, well, we might be spoiling it for people who haven't seen oh, the movie, so sorry. careful. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's do a three-by-three. Three. Kelly Wand, or no, Dingo, yeah. who says this? Kelly Wand, what is this week's three-by-three? Uh, three? I'm very excited. Are you now? Well, <laughs> no. I was kind of kidding, but um, it's three messages in the movie. But the listeners seem to get into it, so that excites me. I like yeah. it when they are not bored, which means right now I, I don't. So like just, just messages in movies. Well, I yeah, but I was trying to last week. You had me burn an ace, mm-hmm. um, Close Encounters, because I was trying to think of like because every movie, like I think you said, every movie has a message. So it's kind of a stupid topic, but I, that's the thing. I was like, I was trying to think of like popular movies with kind of weird messages, mm-hmm. like Close Encounters is leave your family for aliens, which. Is what I said last week, but then I was thinking about it more. It's like you're not only leaving your family for aliens, but you're leaving your family for aliens who only know five vowel sounds and one song. So you can't even talk to them. Right. You're just gonna hear them go da 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 for like light years. But right. you know, having sex with Terry Gar, that is good. All right. So we want movies with messages like that? Well I'm saying that was my theme, and I'm sure you, since you're very thematically complex i just did messages my favorite messages from star wars that was my what i just did with it like princess leah's message to obi-wan kenobi (laughs) your idea of what i'm talking about. well it is my three by three next week so i'll be starting us off no i what i did was uh because you made a comment during the lego movie i don't like that we have a message in this when i was growing up all the kids movies didn't have messages so what i've done that's my impression of you (laughs) can I, i what i have done are my three favorite messages from kids movies Oh, good. Well, I said – what I actually said was – Yes, what did you say? The ones that I liked were the ones where at least I didn't notice. Like, um, remember that Disney cartoon of Robin Hood where he's like a fox in the mm-hmm. 70s? And the hot made Marion fox. Hot made Marion fox, yeah. Yeah. Foxy. yeah. There was no message to that fucking movie. It was great. That's why, yeah, well, the message is uh, give to the poor. Take from the rich, give to the poor. What? No. He liked just hey, – he went to the archery contest not to give to the poor because he said you want to fucking – Fox, he has to show up the sheriff of Nottingham, who's yeah. a bear. Which is great. Or a dog. No, I think he was a snake. No. He's a snake. Roach. Sheriff Cod. He's a snoke. Isn't it? Is snake. Isn't the, isn't the sheriff of Nottingham a snake? Hello, snoke. What'd you say, Tom? I'd be up on this. Isn't the sheriff of Nottingham in the Robin Hood Disney cartoon a snake? The sheriff, I thought, was a dog. I'll look it up later if I actually care. But, like that movie. Yes, go ahead. Continue to retcon your uh, comment. What? How did it go? What? <laughs> that movie didn't seem like it had a message. Okay. Like, eh, you, know, you might have a point on that one. If you're good at shooting arrows, 
you know, have sex with this girl and, you know, fuck the sheriff. Well, you know, this will tie interestingly into my number three pick where I do feel that uh, because it has an archery contest uh, and I do feel that this movie had a message and I love. So these are children's movies with messages that I really like that I think are kind of brave for for being in a children's movie. And it and it makes the fact that it's a message like this makes it not just a children's movie for me. Uh, So my number three pick is Brave. And the message in Brave is hey, you know what? Your parents, they are kind of smart, so don't be a brat. That's the message of Brave. That was the message of Jaws, too, as well. They just don't listen to the parents, and they go out on the boating expedition. Um, Wasn't that also the message in Jaws 1, where he wants to take the boat out in the the ocean, and Brody's like, no, just take it into the pond. And he's like, but the pond is for old ladies. And he says, we'll do it for the old man. Right? He says, put the boat in the yard by the car. And we'll go shocking. <laughs> Is that what uh, you're talking about? No, it's where... I was you should see the movie Jaws at some Jaws? Point. I, all right. I saw Jaws 2. Yeah. And the fourth one. So there's my number three pick is Brave. Have you seen that? Brave is your parents are awesome and don't... Nope, not, they're awesome necessarily because you, you don't have to like what they're throwing down, but you have to accept that they're smarter than you. See, here's the thing, though. I thought the dad was the dumbass of the parents and the mom was the uh, brains of the operation, even though... Yes, that's true. The real message of the movie is poison your mom and she'll see the light. No, no, because you don't... She doesn't... like The mom... I don't think the mom's perspective... Like She, she gets a new... Uh, a deeper understanding, but I don't think the mom changes her mind because she gets turned into a bear. No. Oh. It's the 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 point of Brave is that the little uh, what's her name uh, Kelly uh, <laughs> Kelly McDonald is her name. That's not her name. <laughs> the girl's name is Brave. Mrs. Brave. Miss Brave. What's her name? Tinga should know. It's like it's like Rebecca or what? No, it's Merida. Merida, right? right. Merida. Yeah, Merida is the one who who changes, who sees a, who has a, a shift. Redheads are like that. <laughs> like Merida. That's, yeah, they're all like Merida. Mm, I like. They're all. Yeah. <laughs> they cackle and they fall the will of the wisps. They go their own way, and that's what Brave's all about. That is not the message of Brave. It is a, the message of Brave is not follow the will of the wisps and go your own way. But that's no, if that, you're a girl. But that's if you're the a boy. Point this, the point of this topic. It, it, from what I understood, it was Kelly Wan saying, whatever the message of the movie, this is the message I got out of it. So that's why his, I kind of followed what he did with his third in, uh, Close Encounters thing. And what he just said right now is I thought exactly what he was going for. It's like, the message of the movie is what Tom just said, but the message I got out of it is don't have red hair, or whatever Kelly just said. No, have red hair. Kelly Wan, you got to make up your mind on the message of Brave. If you're, the you're brave, all over the map here. Yeah, if you're the little kids, if you're the little one of the three little boys, right? The message is very different. It's hey, have a great time, isn't it fun being a bear cub? Eat, eat, pace. No, let's work on your archery, and you might get a fucking merit. You know what I'm saying? Because no, her little, her stuff. little brothers. Kind yeah, of the you brothers just made it gross. Don't. You made it an incest yeah. thing. That's gross. Honestly, Jeez. Wait, they weren't invited to participate. Although Robin Hood would have just for the fuck of it, even if he did, it was already married to. Maid Marion. And wasn't that gimmick from Robin Hood? Doesn't she split an arrow? Like she split the guy hits the bullseye uh, and she splits the bullseye right down the middle. That's from Robin Hood, right? Well Robin Hood just took that and retconned it, so it was a dude. Oh, very clever. Nice. Uh Dingus, what is your number three favorite message in a movie? Alright, here's a quote from it. I am putting myself to the fullest possible use, which is all I think any conscious entity can ever hope to do. Prometheus. Yes, and my message is try harder. 
Oh, that's a good message. I never try very hard. It's a running problem. <laughs> I've talked to doctors about it. They said it's terminal. So uh, this is, of course, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And I think the ultimate message of the movie, regardless of what uh, Stanley Kubrick might be trying to tell us, is that using tools ultimately is a bad thing. What? You're trolling me. I'm on to your tricks, Dingus. I expected this from Tom. No, it's... A, you You're know, too good for this. Nothing comes. Nothing good comes of using tools. Because no, from, all the good comes from tools. What well, if it's just a simple tool, Dingus, like a hammer or a stick or a bone? We made the bone. The bone, the bone just will turn into a weapon. And no, you need the bone to unscrew Hal's memories so you can keep going. No, it doesn't matter, because if you didn't make the tool of Hal, which is a tool in addition to the bone, uh, any of these tools, they're just not... Ultimately, it's bad. We shouldn't use tools. We, any creatures that don't use tools, innocent. This is a passive aggressive podcast. <laughs> no, it's, uh, that's that's the that's the message now, I take out of it. Like the monolith uh, is a tool that's awesome. And Thomas, well, that's a different kind of tool. That's like a frat boy. Um, this, <sighs> I'm, I'm talking about like bones and computers. Using tools ultimately is a bad thing. That's the message I think. Just because of the how part. No, because the the bone at the, the beginning. The monkey bone, yeah, the monkey no, bone at the beginning is a bad tool. What? Monkey bone, and it, no, it, it all turns into the good. spaceship that dooms Dave Bowman. Exactly. You guys didn't watch the movie, or any. Well, that's that's true. I've never watched. Either. I have read I the Wikipedia page though for two thousand and one. In Game of Thrones, everyone dies, and I read Rendezvous at Rama. Oh, that's a good one. I think nothing happens in it though. It's one of those cool books where nothing happens and then just bails. Because they don't use tools. Promise a tool. We're tools. You're Look, a tool. tools. Oh. Is this how it's going to be? Really? When they established it, uh, don't uh, leave your family and go with aliens. Yeah. yeah that's, that's the point true. of those encounters. You set that's... this up, Kelly Wand. I'm going to change my pick from uh, of Brave. I'm going to change it to Road Warrior. And the message is it's sabotage when you successfully. Uh, spirit away the gasoline from your camp. Uh, the listeners backed me up on that, and they think you're a buffoon. <laughs> we backed you up on that. What? It's not sabotage. It was, was 60-40, I would say. <laughs> the <laughs> listeners who know the English language did not back me, did not back you on that one, Kelly Wand. There's no sabotage in the word at the end of The Road Warrior. The Road uh, Warrior. Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Not from the villain's point of view? Kelly Wand, what is your number three favorite movie message that is My not close to counters? Or uh, Firefly. Or uh, not a movie. Or West Wing. Or Night of the Widow. Also or, not a movie. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, Australia's a movie. Yes, it is. Tom conceded grudgingly. Is that your number three? What is the message of Australia starring Hugh Jackman? My number three message in a movie is from the movie War Games, which the message was nuclear war is like tic-tac-toe, but shorter. Mm, tic-tac-toe is pretty short, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Also, that the Defense Department nuclear computer doesn't get tic-tac-toe until it plays it a billion times. Now, is War Games the one with the monkey? <laughs> no, it's Project X. Mm, no, I'm pretty sure that's War Games. It's Matthew Modine and a monkey, and they do shenanigans. Matthew Modine. No, <laughs> I did screw that. Up. They join a baseball team. Matthew Broderick. I did screw that up, Dingus. You did. What was the message of that movie? Of which movie? Married uh, to the Mob. If uh, if Michelle Pfeiffer's there, do it. Whatever it is. 
the one where Matt LeBlanc and the and the monkey win the World Series. Oh, Ed. Yeah, Ed. <laughs> you knew the name. <laughs> That's the creepiest. I monkey. thought it was Dunstan Chicks in. Which one's Dunstan Chicks? That is with it too. Yeah. When is Jeremy Renner going to make a monkey movie? Mm. They're rebooting Dunstan Chicks in with Jeremy Renner. Good. It's about and <laughs> Cornelius. All right, that's enough of that monkey business. My number three pick, my number two pick, sorry, for uh, a kid's movie with a message is uh, Coraline. And the message of Coraline is, is, hey, kids, be careful what you wish for because it can be scary. Uh, You know, other mothers may seem all kind of cool when you first think about it. But in the end, nope, not a good idea to fantasize too much. Just chill out and enjoy reality. See, now that actually is the message of Coraline. So I know you've watched it. Uh, I have watched. I've even read Coraline, by the way. It's the only Neil Gaiman that better. Uh, no, no. Uh. Is any book better? Noah. Mm. <laughs> Noah Wea. <laughs> uh, all right. So there's my number two pick is Coraline. That's a great choice for once from either of you. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Um, uh, Dingus, what is your number two favorite message in a movie? Maybe right, here's, give us a line. Here, yeah, here's a quote from it. It's just, I was saving that bacon. The road? <laughs> Close. You know, uh, I did think hey, about the road a lot when we were watching uh, Noah, and I constantly thought that Logan Lerman was Cody's going to be. Can I tell you what I saw? Sabotage. I because Olivia Williams is in it, uh, and she's got this really short haircut, and I didn't recognize her. I mean, I I guess now I it was confusing, but the whole time I was thinking. Is that Annette Benning? Man, she looks good for her age. Uh, it was not Annette Benning. Can... Everyone looks good for their age, if you think about it. Mm. The more you know. Can't go with you there. Yeah. Uh, so the message of the road, Dingus, is don't cast Cody Smith McPhee. In your <laughs> that's the message of the road. Yeah, that's definitely the message. Uh, so what's your bacon movie? I don't think I've seen it. Uh, so my bacon movie is I Am Legend. And... Uh, <laughs> He has brought these people What's in his the house. Line? I'm sorry. He, he he has this outburst and he like he scares the the woman and her son, and uh, and in because she's she's woken up and she's like cooked breakfast for him, and he's just like it's just I was saving that bacon, and uh, and the message I think ultimately of I Am Legend is that uh, hoarding your favorite food is a losing game. Because some stranger is going to come in, like you're going to have a friend over, and they're just going to like open that bag of chips or right. cook that thing that you've been saving like for a special game. Yeah, I'm going to save this and they're going to, they're going to cook that bacon. So you might as well just, when you get the bacon, eat the bacon. Don't save it until later because you're going to save some woman and her son and she's going to cook that bacon. And you're going to be like, that's not what I was going to do with that bacon. So hoarding food, like I don't mean hoarding food, like in a post-apocalypse necessarily, but just like saving something like bacon isn't a good idea. Bacon doesn't keep, by the way. I don't know yeah. if Will Smith yeah. knows that. I think he had it frozen somehow in his ah. amazing generator okay. uh, fortress. I like that Ray Winstone thought the Ark was a fortress at first. Yeah. Made sense. It looked like it was a, a big fortress. blocky thing like that. It's worst looking boat ever. Without yeah. turrets. That's how it looked, though, back it, in the it, day. Yeah, it looked like before the Pinewood Derby, like... Where, where, <laughs> it had murder holes. Pinewood Derby. Wow, it did look like that yeah, on a larger scale. Murder holes. Murder holes. A new series on Fox. 
I agree with Dingus, except that that role is only if Alice Braga is your friend that comes over, and she is the one who's always doing that, using up the bacon. Yeah, hide your bacon from Alice Braga. And Danny McBride. That's the actual, the ultimate message is hide your bacon from Alice Braga. Oh, yeah, and Danny yeah. McBride drinks all the water, and this is the end, right? Right. Oh, what a jerk. Yeah. But Emma Watson stole it. Yeah, hide your, especially hide your hoarded goods from Emma Watson. She will run yeah. off with that stuff, yeah. Kelly Warren, what's your number two pick for a favorite movie message? My number two message is from the film Back to the Future 1, mm. in which you learn that if you punch a high school rapist in the face, you'll become a famous science fiction writer. Hey, you get your damn hands off her. That's my Crispin Glover. How did it sound? That's great. Can you do Grendel now? Mm, I can't because he's animated. I don't do uh, cartoons, Dingus. Sorry. Speaking of cartoons, my number one pick for a message in a movie, kids' movie, the message of Toy Story 2 is you're going to die. <laughs> That's a terrible but important thing that kids should learn. You're going to die? Is yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's why Toy Story 3 fails. <laughs> you're going to die. But it says you're not going to die. And you're going to die, but enjoy this fine adventure that you're going to have uh, after we introduce the ultimate reality of death. Oh, uh, yeah, Toy Story 2 is totally about death. Huh. Yep. Can't remember. You should see that movie, Kelly Wand. I've cited it. And I, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and make this official on the podcast. There are a handful of what I consider perfect movies. Um, it's a very subjective thing, of course. Toy Story 2 is one of them. Casablanca, Jaws, Chinatown. I am now adding to that lineup, and it's official, uh, The Avengers. Oh, God. Yes. What about 300 Rise of an Empire? Not a perfect movie. I've seen what? it each time. Not perfect, but boy, do I love it. Yeah. I cannot so, count the number of times I've watched Avengers. I cannot count it. I, I mean, I will start it every now and then with my son, just like when we run out of stuff to watch, and I cannot stop watching it. It is so freaking good. Uh you guys are weird. I will tell you one thing that is perfect in 300 that I noticed this last time watching it. I guess it's four times now. Eva Green's dresses are uh, pretty amazing. They they put her through some pretty awesome costume changes. Oh, man. Uh, those, those Persian uh, admirals had uh, quite the uh, collection of outfits. She needs to wear those gowns if she's going <sighs> to navigate... What's going on with the spikes? Adriatic. What's going on with the spikes on that outfit? I know that final battle outfit. It matches the the sword when he thrusts it through her. The a tip of his sword kind of lines up with those spikes. It's a weird yeah. thing there. What's the uh, message of that movie? The message of that movie is Whoa, three hundred was nowhere near this good. <laughs> oh, what the That's the message of that movie. I just three hundred new spikes. I just want to know the structure of that outfit, how it works, like when she lies down, I mean is, is she like a turtle? I mean, could she roll over on those spikes? Do they fold up? Or during I, battle, I think she just backs into someone and takes them out. Yeah, like could she do like a flip and like rip his face off? I mean, I, I'm just so curious about just the just the day to day, like how do you wear that? What do you do with it? How do you, I mean, if you get in the car and you try to put your seatbelt on, are you going to be able to? I mean, I'm just so curious about that outfit. It's so cool looking, but I, I just wonder about how the utilitarianism, if you will, of that. Well, all of her other gowns, too. She never wears the same gown twice in that movie, Dingus. You'll be pleased yeah. to know. Right. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're on this. <laughs> uh, Dingus, what is your number one favorite movie message? 
All right, my number one is sort of the you know I've kind of been tongue in cheek about the first two. Uh, this is uh, this is is a serious, a more serious version of the bacon one, um, and I really love this message in the movie. I don't think uh, necessarily this is the message of the movie, but this is the this is the part that I I've been thinking about a lot lately uh, because there's a specific image in this movie that makes me that that keeps recurring to me and has for many years since I saw this movie. And here's a quote from it. You know, the day you open a 61 Cheval Blanc, that's the special occasion. It's got to be sideways. It is definitely sideways. And it's, it's this sense of, and I, and I've done this so often in my life and especially with wine, but with other things as well, saving, uh, something that I buy or something that I have that is special to me for a special occasion and just forgetting it or that special occasion never coming. And the, the idea of that um, you make a special occasion special by making it, by creating it, by doing it. And I love that, that, that Maya says that to him, that, that she says, you know, he's, he says he's waiting for a special occasion for this Cheval Blanc, this, ni- this 61 wine that he has. And she's like, the day you open it, that's, that's the point. That's the special occasion. And so the, the image in my head is him in that, that burger joint drinking it out of that styrofoam cup, which is pathetic in its way, but it's also his special occasion that he's chosen to do at this moment. But I just like that little message within the movie of, of, of you create the special occasion. Don't wait for it to come along. But he doesn't do it. It's a horrible occasion. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a horrible occasion. But I like the idea of the sentiment of what she has said to him. Okay. That the day you open it, that's the special occasion. Um, He doesn't create one. But I think that maybe for him that is at that moment. Him sitting there eating a burger and drinking that wine, it might not be an extraordinary occasion, but it's special. And I like that idea of not waiting for something to happen but making it happen. One of the messages, I think my pick for a message from Sideways would be don't have sex with Sandra O oh if you're about to get married. All right, let me write this down. Yeah. Well, don't give her a motorcycle helmet. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just stand back if she's got a motorcycle helmet in her hand. Yeah. Don't go out with a motorcycle rider. Go with somebody but, who wears paper hats. It's like wine gets better with age, bacon gets worse. So in a way, the standard's different. Well, wine gets better with age to a point, and then it crests. See, Kelly Wand? Like people. <laughs> Tell me, what's your number one pick for a movie message? My number one's in Jaws. Uh, the less you know about boats and sharks, the better your survival chances. Hmm. That's a good point. Well, Hooper seemed to do okay. No, he just got lucky. So if you live in the desert, you're fine. Uh, yeah, you're better. You, if you're in the desert, I meant the better your survival against a shark. Yeah. So the best people to fight sharks are are basically desert nomads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, like Omar Sharif should have been. Right, right. Quint. T.E. Lawrence could have whacked the hell out of a shark. Yeah. We're moving. We're moving Abadie to the Sahara. But Captain Ahab would have been awesome in Gravity because he doesn't know anything about space. That we know of. That we know. Mm. Kelly, what did the listeners have to say about Miss? Oh my God, they loved it. (laughs) Joe Johnson writes, "Hey guys, oh, we love the Rocketeer. Hi, Joe." Yeah. And, Cap- and Captain whatever. Oh, and Captain America, of course. <laughs> Did he direct the second one? Oh, I don't think so. That's a good question. We'll be finding that out next week, won't we? Mm. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. 
Hey guys, it's your favorite movie director here. Here are a few. Hey, it's him. <laughs> See, he he was ahead of your joke, but it's like you guys. I think we made it on the podcast it. before. Yeah, we've done this before. The message of the podcast is, you know, we're gonna claim credit for your name being our joke. Right. Number three from Joe Johnson, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. See, I notice he's going to the Gene Wilder one, which is good. That's right. One. Right. Having so principles and even though the fucking Tim Burton one made four hundred million and the Gene Wilder one made like three or something. It's depressing. Having principles and strong moral character is more important than making a deal to get your starving family out of poverty. Tom, did you know the third Willy Wonka book was gonna be called Charlie and the White House? And it was gonna be all about the president from the second one. Those are books. Number two, Beauty and the Beast. Even if your boyfriend's an abusive animal, he might one day turn into a prince. <laughs> Is he abusive to her? Or just abusive to the candles? That's me asking Tom. To the response, thanks. I've actually never seen a Beauty and the Beast movie. I haven't seen the live action one, one with the tattooed dude. Um, I haven't seen the Disney one with Angela Lansbury. Uh, I'm not up on my Beauty and the Beast. It's a tale as old as time, Tom. I do know Phantom of the Opera, though. I could talk that like you wouldn't believe. All right. The beauty's always the girl, I assume. It's never like the handsome guy beauty and the beastly girl. Except in, what was that movie we saw? The Woman? Shrek. Number one, Die Hard. Sometimes all it takes to save a marriage is killing a bunch of dudes and blowing up a building. He didn't save it indefinitely, though. I think that's the real point, Joe. Mm. Runners up, the Lego movie. Tear up the instructions and build whatever you want. But if you want to make anything good, you'll need to spend a couple hundred dollars on parts. <laughs> See, Tom, he understood the movie. Jurassic Park, life will find a way if a greedy guy, fat guy sabotages the park. True. Wait, See, uh, do you think I'm greedy... plump? Huh? Do you think I'm plump? A guy got, a guy at work got mad at me when I called him stocky. He was really upset about that. Uh, Dingus was quoting Game of Thrones, by the way. Who the, says that? Game of Thrones, the first season, for folks who have who saw it four years ago. <laughs> no I'm one sorry. Well, it was so weird for me to watch Noah having started Game of Thrones, because there's a lot of the same sort of uh, production, not level, but uh, some of the same thematic production, like, you know, swords and wood and all that CG stuff. Monsters. And I'm just so enamored of, of Game of Thrones. It's the first time I've seen it. And and so Noah sort of pales in comparison to this TV show. So, listeners, if Dingus says something that you don't understand, it's probably from Game of Thrones. Right. Tom. Or gloves. Midnight Run. By the Go way, ahead, the, I apologize, Kelly. Go the ahead. greedy fat guy in Jurassic Park is kind of like the asteroid, if you think about it. Mm. The good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> I don't know why. I find silence something to cherish. The good, the bad, the ugly. You can still be a hero, even if your idea of a practical joke is hanging your friend <laughs> from a tree. It's true. Jaws, a bigger boat, doesn't always mean you're overcompensating for something. You know, Jaws has infinite messages, Tom. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a perfect movie, Kelly Wand. I don't know if you're aware of that. Oh, is that on your list? Or just of course. Oh, did I not mention Jaws? Didn't. That, that, that's that's all perfect movie, at least for me. That was my first discovery of a perfect movie. So I, I apologize for leaving that off. So does Jaws have circumference? 
Uh, Dingus, as everybody knows, the Earth does not have a circumference. It has multiple circumferences based on where you measure the... Uh, I the usually measure from the base the, and add an inch. That's not a circumference, Kelly Wand. <laughs> oh. I usually count the rings on it, too. Infinite. There's only one firmament, Tom. Paul Weimer, hi guys, messages and movies. I was briefly tempted to break Kelly's topic, but then decided to play it straight. Unlike everyone on the podcast, the message of the Lego movie. <laughs> See, this is why I love the listener submissions, is you get the weird trends, and somehow the Lego movie, the message of it. I'm glad Wally hasn't come up because I hate the message of that movie. But anyway, getting back to Paul Weimer. Legos are awesome, especially in recombination, kind of at odds with their recent corporate philosophy, oddly enough. I don't know what that means. Tom, do you know what that means? Uh, you know, people want you to buy the sets. We talked yeah. about that a bit on the oh, oh, show. Is that, yeah. I wasn't listening. They're, they're selling them as discrete licensed packages, and you know, there's a there's a wall between the different sets. Does the movie know that? I'm pretty Definitely. sure it does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty Number sure. Number two, the message of the secret life of Walter Mitty. Carpe that old diem seize the day. <laughs> didn't see that fucking movie. Number one, the message of They Live, predatory hypercapitalism dehumanizes people. A message as powerful now as it was when the movie came out. 30 years ago. Best regards, Paul Weimer. Arthur Jovangeli writes... Giovanna Jelly. Arthur Giovanna Jelly. I picked based on how the messages were delivered, not necessarily based on messages' moral implications. I will get the messages first. Why do you make Arthur sound so petulant? I don't know. Sorry, Arthur. He's not me. That's true. I just could feel Tom growing uh, claws. Number three. Yes? So you made Arthur sound petulant? Yeah, take that, Tom. I, I like this approach. I'm curious Arthur, you're welcome. <laughs> Number three. Professional obsession and rivalry can destroy personal relationships and happiness if left unchecked. Mm, I know what that is. That is intolerable cruelty. Corronked. <laughs> Corronked. <laughs> that look the Muslims like. Oh, did you know they banned Noah? Even though they have a Noah in the Islamic faith. Getting back to Arthur Giovangeli's, Giovangeli's message, the movie is The Damned United, a movie I haven't seen. What? That's a sports thing. I'm not gonna... A movie centered about soccer that's yeah. ultimately about soccer, driven by great performances from Michael Sheen, Tom. And Tiff- Timothy Spall. This is a fantastic sports oh. movie. If I'd known Timothy Spall, a, I you know I I always people constantly tell me about a sports movie. You should see this. Oh, it's not really about sports. Even though it's about sports, I never believe when somebody tells me that. And I can't think of a no, single drafting. movie where that's true. Uh, wait, wait, Raging Bull. It's about boxing. It's totally about boxing. Yeah. Come on. I mean, it's about a box. I mean, it's totally what yeah. Raging Bull's a boxing movie. Hunger Games. Uh, it's about a sport, a fake sport. Uh, Brian's song, <laughs> Longest Yard. <laughs> Bull Durham. Bull Durham, yeah, exactly. People say, oh, it's not, it's about sex. No, it's a baseball dude. It's talking about baseball. Ugh. But baseball's about sex because it's the same thing. You get like the bat and the balls. Oh, oh that's what that is. Base. I didn't realize. Base, second base. Metaphor. Yeah. Nice base. yeah. Home run, Tom. Interesting. You've gotten to third base. I have not because of that animal, that rhino tranquilizer guy who cock blocked me. Sorry, I said C blocked. That's, that was not called for. <laughs> You're not going to get any. Nookie? Nookie, thank you. <laughs> Forgot the word for it. 
cock block drove it out of my head. It's like, grand slam. Uh, back to Arthur Giovanna and Jelly's number two. Uh, Death is a natural part of life. Tom, the movie. <laughs> Death is a natural part of that's Toy Story 2. Correct. This is not. Corronged. Corronged. Departures. How's that? Oh you don't know God. what that is? Is that that, that Anne Hathaway airplane thing? That was called Passengers, I thought. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I know the name of it, and I keep meaning to see it. No, always... don't see it. Don't see it. It's awful. Wait, why? So I saw it because it's the guy, I want to say Rodrigo Garcia. It's the guy who did the first season of Intreat, oh. this amazing HBO series with uh, Gabriel Byrne as a therapist. Um, and he he turned the second season over to someone else, and it completely fell apart and sucked. Uh but the director of the first season did that movie, and it, it was just terrible. I was expecting. Dude, to, uh, I my mom made yeah. me watch yeah. Yeah. an episode of something I didn't know existed, which is the From Dusk Till Dawn TV series. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? What on the El Rey second ago? Which is Robert Rodriguez's? Oh. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the whole day and an episode. It's all exposition. They can't swear. Oh, it's so bad. They at least have Selma Hayek doing strip teases and have lots of blood and vampire stuff. No, it's like, it's not, there's like, okay, Robert Patrick's playing Harvey Keitel, and there's a guy, the main guy is supposed to be Clooney, but he has like a wife. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. And you watched it, haha. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And there's like car commercials in the middle disguised as on set. Okay, back to Arthur Giovanna Jelly's number two. Dad's Notch Portal Life Departures, a simple message that the movie is able to express through Japanese no, ke, no kanshi funeral preparation. What? Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Taking pride in the mortician. Yeah. Yeah. Is also another major takeaway from this movie. You know, I say I've seen that. I don't think I made it all the way through it. That was one of those where I was like, oh, God, I can't watch this whole thing. Uh, it, it was seemed to recall it's no fairly sabotage. Slow. It's no sabotage. Yeah, but I no, do know what that is. I'm sorry. What did Arthur say about it? I was I was yammering while you were reading his comments. Uh, what did he say about it? Message that the movie is able to express through Japanese no kanji funeral preparation. Taking pride in one's employment is also another major takeaway from this movie. And it might have even predated Six Feet Under. Does it predate Noah? Well, nothing does really. Does Predator predate Alien? <laughs> right. Number one, morality is always relative, Tom. That is obviously, <laughs> yeah, that's obviously good fellows. Serious man. Uh, those are both cool <laughs> things to have said. Radiator? Uh, question mark? Nope, 2001. Oh, 2001. In that no. case, it's Snatch. <laughs> Wait, 2001 isn't a, a message. <laughs> oh, the movie, 2001. Oh, I thought you were giving the year. Okay. I see. I see where you're going. 2001 is about tools. Yeah, Dingus has already, uh, I think Arthur, Dingus has already explained that. Uh, I think you should uh, let Arthur know that we've already covered that one. Wait, this isn't Arthur. Who is this, Kelly Wand? Did we lose Kelly Wand? Oh, has he left the building? Oh, no, and he took the reader mail with him. Oh, it's so sad. Uh, Kelly Wand, how are we going to read those letters that got sent in? Uh, we're gonna have to make them up, I guess. Oh, well, wait. Hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the movie was two thousand one, or the year that it came out is two thousand one. <sighs> what is he doing? I don't know. Oh. 
Kelly, can you hear? Mm. He actually dropped his headphones. I think he's trying to play sound effects or something. Yeah, I think you're right. Came back. That's great. Are you ready for more readings? (laughs) Fred and Lynn. Well, we thought long and hard about this one. Well, not really. Cheers, Fred and Lynn. Number three, in the end, everything will be all right. The ultimately (laughs) heartwarming message of Big Lebowski. I think the message of Big Lebowski is if you find a stranger in the Alps. Find an ATM machine. Number two, guess at this one. You can turn your back on a person, but you should never turn your back on a drug. (laughs) Rascals. And number one, yeah, what, 2001, what? Oh, I was going to say 28 Days Later. (laughs) What is that that movie? Rascals. Oh, the movie is Rascals. I thought you were calling Fred and Lynn Rascals. Yeah, I was. Never heard of, oh, what's the movie? That's your hint. Indignant Kelly Wand. How many drug movies are there? A lot. Besides Noah. Requiem for a Dream. Fear and loathing, you fucking podcasters. Well, I thought when you said turn your back, it was the ass to ass that you were making. <laughs> Number one from Fred and Lynn: The message: Some movies should never have been made, including but not limited to Prometheus, Anchorman Two, Sucker Punch, The Limits of Control, Catfish, etc. What's the limits of control? It's a documentary about Al Jazeera. <laughs> really? It's the control. That's room. the movie that should have been made. Nah, that's the control room. I don't know what the limits of control is. I do know what those other ones are. Hmm. I like that he called out Anchorman 2 as, as something that should have been. Oh, I haven't made. seen that yet. I want to. Oh, yeah, you should definitely check it out, Kelly. I, want to I finished The Bay. Did he tell you? <laughs> it's a Barry Levinson horror movie. Good. Yeah. Are you glad you saw it? There's some Connollys in it. That was exciting. You didn't tell me that. Okay. She doesn't get to do much. Uh, no, I'm not. All right. Uh, Alan's right. After finally seeing The Hunt this past week, I couldn't believe that it was really all just about the miracle of Christmas. What's <laughs> <laughs> Well, you could make that argument. I don't know what that is. Also, I didn't realize that Robert Altman's MASH was a true story. Altman's hidden message being the Vietnam War was super fun for surgeons. They slept with nurses, drank martinis and PBR, all the while pulling shenanigans on their superiors. It was the wait, Korean wait, who War. was that? Who Which was movie? that? Or no, who? Letter. Yeah. Alex Burns? Alex Burns, okay. Yeah, I, didn't, I just didn't hear you say his name. Can't wait to hear this week play out, Alex, a.k.a. Hot Lips. Jonathan J. Elena de Pratner writes, I will keep this brief to spare anyone from reading. Number three is Grease. I always found the Aussie girl changing herself entirely to suit John Travolta's image cringeworthy and amusing in a sad sort of way. Um, but it made the car fly. So I always thought Grease was a tale of hope. Actually, the flying car represented the fact that they had died. <laughs> in a car accident? I think so. Or in a singing... <laughs> a singing mishap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you see the second one where a guy talks a girl into having sex with him because they're in the uh, fallout shelter? And he's all, oh, it's a nuclear war outside. We have to like keep the race going. So they do like a musical number. Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember that, but I 
that's a message. Yeah. Gotta use what you got. It's true. It's fallout shelter. <laughs> There's, uh, so I, I also saw this week. <laughs> that would have helped uh, Australians. Sure, <laughs> handy, Tom. I also saw this week Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac Volume 1, or Nymphomania Volume 1, uh, and it's so tedious, and it does this kind of thing. Like, at one point, it's all about Charlotte Gainsbourg holding forth in front of... Uh, not in this movie. Holding wow. forth in front of Stellan Skarsgård about her sexual history. And at one point, she talks about how she just had too much sex, and, and he says something like, well, if you've got wings, you should fly. And Lars von Trier <laughs> cuts to a picture of an airplane... <laughs> it's like that kind of film. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. In college? I know. <laughs> no, he'd seen Greece and he was updating it. <laughs> but it's got that kind of thing uh, where he'll just cut to like they're comparing sex to fly fishing, and there's footage of dudes fly fishing, you know, while Stellan Skarsgård and Charlotte Gainsbourg are talking. Um, at one point, she compares her vagina to a supermarket door that opens when somebody walks near it, and he cuts to just images of these supermarket doors opening and closing. He's such a child. <laughs> I don't like that metaphor because it, it just pictures like it's gonna. What if it shuts on you? <laughs> you know, when Tom says that rubber. the flying car is like them being dead, or it just it, there's a moment in, in, the, in, the, in the early part of Noah where Noah gets his head cracked. Where I thought, oh, this is all going to be a dream. Oh, we're kind of conditioned there. Yeah. What's the point of the movie where it's it all was. a dream? Yeah. Like taxi driver. Well, then he has no head wound later, and he's 900 years old. But then he ages 50 years in a year. And then Jennifer Connelly never ages in RL or the movie. That's true. Interesting wand. Continue. Number two. My second is the Shawshank Redemption, where two wrongs do make a right. He commits a crime, ends up in jail, and to get his happily ever after, he commits another crime. What was the second one? Just breaking out of prison? Yeah, that- breaking into the warden's office and playing that opera. I thought that was Longest Yard. I might be mixing up. No, that's a football. That's a sports movie you're thinking of. I might be making up a little rascal short with um, a porno said in a prison my film lesson is office space never take work or people too seriously they try to end it with growth and maturity but that's just pandering bullshit really i take to heart just make your life enjoyable i feel like i might be ready to see office space again when i first saw it i really didn't like it why Mm, that was infected are you gonna watch valley am i gonna watch what till silicon valley it's mike judge's tv series it's like about it's like T.G. Miller. I think they're like uh, computer nerds. I don't know that I can take that. I'll start with Office Space and see where it goes from there. Office Space is fine. Okay. Do you like Idiocracy? Yes. Yes. We have Office Space here, so you can watch it. All right. Hmm. Um, yeah, that is that is the message of Office Space, though. It's also like if they're going to fire you whether, whether however you do anything, so you may as well make it enjoyable, and then if they like you... I don't know. Could Office Space be one of those rare movies also where Jennifer Aniston's lack of ability to have chemistry with other actors doesn't scuttle it? Yes. Okay. For that reason, uh, I should Because of what she has to wear. What, her flair? Yeah, the flair stuff. Well, that Great. scene, right. Yeah. I well, it's a tough role. And it's Steven like, Root, yeah. by the way. I love what Steven Root is doing in that. You can't top that. Yeah. So. You And Gary Cole. He's iconic in that movie. No. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you know what? Okay, I'll, I'll give it another chance. And I do now have a lot of fondness for Ron Livingston. Like, I like that guy a lot. So 
I think before I, I found him just smarmy and unlikable. You didn't like him in Band of Brothers? You didn't like him in... Uh, That's TV. Uh, it doesn't count. Fine. No, but I do like him now. I like when he shows up. I loved him in Adaptation, for instance. Uh, I love when he shows up. I'm like, oh, there's Ron Livingston. I liked him in that weird Stuart Gordon Empire of the Ants thing. That's him, right? Kelly Wan, have you seen Empire of the Ants? No, I don't see movies uh, that are about insects and politics unless Jeff Goldblum's in it. Do you see movies where a guy gets kidnapped and has a pillow duct taped around his head and Norm from Cheers takes a golf club and whacks him as hard as he can over and over and over again for once a day for days on end with a golf club? Yeah. And then you see Empire of the Ants. All right. All right. Wait, is that... No, I'm just saying that it's like a... The ants are doing? <laughs> the ants are a metaphor. Kelly Wand. Oh. All right, where were we? I'm sorry, I've, I've got... Jonathan J. Lando de Pratt is runner-up as every Disney, Pixar feature-length animated film, like Up's message that life is the adventure or sleeping beauty, that any character agency is unnecessary for a happy ending if you're hot. <laughs> this, this is it true? Is it See, I, it's like I was worried he was going to go to Wally, which to me is the dumbest message of any. What's your problem with Wally's message? Yeah, because space makes an awesome garbage dump. There's shitloads of it. Earth's dumb, but we could just fire that shit into the sun if we conquered space. Yeah, because the energy it takes to leave orbit is prohibitively expensive. Yeah. <laughs> we would need to build a space. That's elevator. the message of Wally. Yeah. If we had a space elevator, that's what a space elevator is all about. You don't have to burn all that energy launching stuff. You can just send it up the elevator. But we haven't invented that yet. So That's the message? We haven't invented it yet? The message of Wally is we better jam on that space elevator before the Earth gets choked with garbage. We better space jam on that elevator. <laughs> yeah. Sports that's movie, fun. by the way. That's a sports movie. Ew. Yep. Yeah, space jam is. is a sports <laughs> movie. I've never seen it. I'm not going to. I wouldn't understand it. It's something for everyone. Sports and fans of animation. It's a basketball movie. You're not going to trick me into seeing a basketball movie. It's science fiction, too. And all the Bugs Bunny characters live in hell, I found out in that movie. Because <laughs> Michael Jordan gets sucked down to it. Did you know that? I did not. I still, I'm not sure. Still what does this have to do with basketball? Rob Favre writes, I only have one pick this week. The lesson in the real world, not every sacrifice is heroic. Sometimes it's just a waste. The movie Paths of Glory. That's the thing about sacrifices. You don't know if they're going to work out or not when you make them. Yeah. Mm. This is certainly Minor Kubrick. Am I saying his name right? Minor? <laughs> but it hit me so hard when I saw it for the first time back in college. Uh, this was the first movie I ever saw where not only the heroes die, they die for nothing, and even worse, they die disgraced and marked as cowards because it's more convenient for the people in charge. Dude, that's just life, bro. Uh, so now I'm confused. Is it like a coupon coupon thing? Like who says Kubrick? I've always just said Kubrick. 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 But I think I might say coupon. coupon. I think Kubrick's right because no one, no one's names are pronounced the way they should be. What do you call those things that give you ten cents off at, at like Ralph's? Uh, hookers. <laughs> what do you call the second born movie? Born supremacy. <laughs> what else would you call it? Kubrick. What? Dingus thinks it's like born supremacy. It's supremacy. It's not That's supremacy. Not, what do you call a, those, those? Not a bowl of soup. They're not having a bowl of soup. And, what do you and call those girls that sing? Those those black girls that are singers. The Supremes. The Supremes. They're not soup. 
They're not soup creams. They're not souping. What's the biggest burrito you can order at Taco Bell? A burrito supreme. A macho? Oh, right. You might have me there. Good point. <laughs> What's that word Tom says weird? Which one? Insurance. What is it? Uh, what do you, you say often or often? What is that thing that in the, they have in the middle of America that... Uh, Arkansas. Get, that has wind and wind goes through it? In the middle of America that has wind, the wind uh, cord. Or in the Dutch people, in the tulips. Windmill. Yeah, windmill. I don't know why anyone would say windmill. That just makes That's no sense to me. Wait, say it again? Windmill. Windmill? Yeah. Windmill. I don't know why anyone would say... Because the wind's eating the blades of the... Yes, so. Dingus knew. He led you right to that. I just don't... I understand how it's spelled, but I don't think... I think it's one of those things where the spelling is wrong. Right, exactly. Yeah. Every, the whole universe turns around me. <laughs> Copernicus, you fucking idiot. Dave Perkins writes, The opening montage in Magnolia telegraphs its primary message, namely that life is capricious and the connections we make with each other are almost as random as molecules bumping into each other in a beaker. Wait, is that random? Gotcha. This feature of life has always spooked me out, changed any of a host of tiny things in my past. I'm not sitting at my kitchen table writing this note to the three of you. TMI. I love how improbable everything is, and yet how certain and tangible it is, too. And I think Magnolia is the best illustration of this on film. I also love the message that women and girls are completely capable. Is that the Magnolia message? Oh, wait. And I'll choose Frozen as the vehicle for this message. Dingus is the only person on this podcast who sees Frozen. Do you concur with Dave's assessment? Definitely. Girl power. should see that. All right. Girls, it's like when I find out a girl's in charge of my paycheck, I usually relax. So I think I agree with Frozen and Dave Perkins. Frozen is a Disney product, and so it's nice to be able to compare it to some of their earlier works, Disney, in which women lay on slabs of stone waiting for a kiss to thaw them. (laughs) They all do, that's true. Well, Cinderella doesn't. She has to run from... uh, Seven dudes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's Cinderella, running from seven dudes. I can't say more without spoiling the end of Frozen. Thanks, as always, for being so entertaining. Uh, <clears throat> Scott Andrews writes, I like obvious messages. You're something like Tom, then. <laughs> JK. Quote, life moves pretty fast, but if you... Wait, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. In Ferris Bueller's day off, Ferris Bueller breaks the fourth wall. Is it Bueller or, B- or Bueller, Tom? <laughs> By the way. The fourth or fourth wall. And faces the camera to deliver this message. I always thought that was the message of the movie, but it only seemed to work for him. Because everyone else around Ferris Bueller was kind of like orbiting him. You can also yeah. Aaron Vaughn writes, Dear QT3 3X3, here are my top three choices for messages and movies as interpreted by me, the listener. Number three, I should have had you wear double condoms inside Lewin Davis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't like this mean Carrie Mulligan. Oh, right. Ah, uh, you know. It's a price I'm willing to pay for Carrie Mulligan, personally. I guess so. Okay. Coen Brothers films. I. It seems like 
I'm probably doing it wrong, but I've noticed that women tend to like me more before they have sex with me. And then afterwards, they're kind of like Harry Mulligan in the movie. And they get into the double condom mode. Just a little personal aside, Tom. <clears throat> Coen Brothers films invite people to read them into them too much. I don't think, no, I think they want you to. I'm not great at symbolism, but Inside Lewin Davis was great illustrating how life is a circle of shit. Indifferent and inescapable for the most part. Almost everything is out of Lewin Davis's control, no matter how talented he may actually be. And the fact that his response to being roughed up in an alley is sarcastic au revoir is the most uplifting thing in the whole movie to me. If life doesn't care about you, the best thing you can do is not care back. I wonder if Inside Lewin Davis will, on a second viewing, uh, be better than when we first saw it. I like it. Kind of, yeah, but I think me and Dingus kind of dismissed it as like minor Cohen. But yeah. no. I, I do think about it a lot. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing it a second time at some point. It's out on DVD now. But uh, why, why are you saying that? Right. Well, just I was. I thought it was good the first time, and I was right. And I maybe yeah, you might be ahead of the curve from me and Dingus. I uh, yeah. My only thing about it is maybe it's a little. It's not points they haven't made already. Right. But it always seems weird to me when Dingus dings a film for that, although I, I think everyone does it. Like, if it's something he's seen before, he's all, no. But I do, so advise me on this, Kelly Wand. Should <laughs> I see Inside Lewin Davis for a second time? Yes. Should I, wait, wait, there's two options here. Oh, should sorry. I see Inside Lewin Davis a second time, or should I rewatch A Serious Man like a twelfth time? Well, why is it either or? Why can't you watch well, them it's back? either or the next time I sit down to do one of those two. Which should I do first? Uh, We've had three earthquakes in the last two weeks. We don't have much time left. Right. <laughs> and and I've still got several seasons of Game of Thrones to get through. So Kelly Wand, Inside Lewin Davis the second time, A Serious Man for the umpteenth time. What well, do you, how many what times do you, have you seen Serious Man? Oh, more than I can count. I've seen that movie a bazillion times. Lewin Davis once. Right. And so well, I guess Davis. But I mean, you're watching 300 every week, so I think one more viewing of Lewin Davis will probably not even make it dense for the likes of you. 300 Rise of an Empire more times than he's seen inside Lewin Davis. <laughs> and Serious Man, probably. No, no, no. I've seen Serious Man. Literally. Vengeance is long. I think that's I get, the weird thing to me. I get tired you. just thinking about seeing inside Lewin Davis again, though. It's not, an, it's not a fun movie. It's just a real movie. I don't need fun. It, it has nothing to do with fun. It's just like it tired of the fun. Well, here's the draw for me, Dick. Uh, uh, but, but seeing him perform good. that song for, what's his name, yeah. F. Murray Abraham again, yeah. I can do that. Yeah. It's a lot of little bummers. So I don't know if that has repeat value. And, and let me just po- posit this weird little thing here. Uh, angry Carrie Mulligan is kind of sexy. Oh, yeah. Well, angry most chicks. They are pretty when they're angry. And they're always angry. <laughs> I've noticed. Is that their secret? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at Kelly Wong quoting the Avengers. A oh, perfect you're movie. Wonderful, Kelly. You're nice. Good. He didn't even realize he was quoting the Avengers. <laughs> when that's Kelly Wong. Ha ha. Shit. <laughs> All right. What's Aaron Vaughn's other picks? Uh, number two, Lost Skeleton of Cadavra. Oh, good lord. <laughs> Nobody on the podcast has seen this. I know what it is. We all know what it is, yeah. I think I saw the preview at Baba Hosea. You know, that's all you need to see, by the way, is see the preview. Yeah, I figured it, it, I kind of thought of it, assumed it was like a fake preview. Well, it's a joke movie, yeah, it's a fake Like, shut it. fake movie, yeah. So I won't bother quoting, but after battling a mutant monster and the resurrected lost skeleton of Cadavra, the scientist and his wife look into the sunset alongside their new alien friends. One of them remarks at how if everyone else could learn to work together just as the aliens and humans have done, that a lot more could get done a lot more often. It's a beautiful thought. And a great message after all the strife in the movie. 
Wait, so the message of it, I just want to make sure I followed. If everyone could learn to work together as aliens and humans have done, a lot more could get done a lot more often. You mean specifically in the movie, I'm guessing. Aliens and humans haven't worked together in real life yet. We don't know that. Oh, good Explain point. pyramids. Explain Noah. You got me there. You definitely got me there. Earthway in Area 51, Kelly Wand. In the movie? Yeah, what technology have they given us at Area 51? The place, the real Area 51. Oh, explain. Uh, the 51st element. Stealth jets. Mm-hmm. Yep, makes sense. Dissections were way more primitive before we had aliens to fuck around with. We had we test on crash test phase before we could get to them. Mm-hmm. Did you know that, Tom? I didn't, but I do now. Project Blue Book, bro. Good work. Crickets. Number three of Aaron Vaughn's earthquake test, Ace Ventura pet detective when nature calls, which I think Kelly Wan is an underrated movie. Did you see that one, Tom? Second Ace Ventura. No, I instead watched Cable Guy for the sixth time. No. Why? You make. Cable you have Guy a- is great. What are you talking about? Yeah, Kimmel Guy's right, but it seems like every movie you watch is a, should I watch this or this a millionth time? Like, you have some internal checklist of how many viewings each movie is worth to you. Yeah, sure. Who doesn't? Well, we all do, but it's just like, you get you seem to give a lot of dumbass movies, like a one that should get a zero. Like, Sabotage. No, every movie, Kelly Wan, at least from my perspective, every single movie deserves at least one viewing. That's Anything true. Anything beyond that, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty jealous of who yeah, gets. Why did I get married? Why did I get married? Two will not get a second viewing. It got one from me. That's all it gets. Nymphomania Volume One. It gets one viewing. I'm done with it. One per volume. <laughs> not even Volume Two. I'm not going to see Volume. Forget <laughs> it. I'm done with that. I don't care what happens. It's a cliffhanger ending, by the way, in, in Nymphomania Volume One. <sighs> cliffhanger Nymphomania. Yep. Because it's a two-part. I don't think I'd, there's no reason the movie should be as long as it is. But for whatever reason, he cuts it at a little cliffhanger moment, and I guess you're supposed to watch Nymphomania Volume Two uh, to find out, hey, what's going on with this? How shy is Tackle compared oh. to Aspirators and Shane? I did not need to see his dong. Yeah, and it's not even just his dong; it's his dong in action. Dong in uh, action, really? Yeah, like in full action, like a you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Full <laughs> well, action dong. Yeah, I did not need that. You wish he'd worn double condoms, Tom? <sighs> On his eyes. Too soon. Earthquake test from nature, When Nature Calls, Aaron Vaughn writes, I'm lucky to have seen this as a kid. Oh, God, everyone's so fucking young. I'm sick of it. That came out wrong. Since it teaches one of the most valuable lessons of all, they'll make a sequel to anything, even Dumb and Dumber, even The Lost Skeleton of Cadavra. Is there a sequel to Lost Skeleton of Cadavra? Yeah, I was going to say. Oh. Well, no, I'm saying surprise too. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was going to say. Uh, if it weren't for Ace Ventura 2, then I would have grown up thinking there was such a thing as values or sanctity in the film industry. They even got zapped again somehow. See, I think the second Ace Ventura is the good one. Am I the idiot? I was busy watching Cable Guy, so I can't comment. I only watch one movie per actor. <laughs> My name's Tom. <laughs> Runner up. Let's just the rock. I've seen plenty. Of, I've seen more Jim. I'm the only one on this podcast who's seen Kick-Ass 2. That's a Jim Carrey movie. You're welcome. I took the bullet for you guys on that one. I don't trust your bullet on that. You're going to see Kick-Ass 2? I dare yeah. you, Wand. You know what? I dare you. Well, you didn't like the first one, and I thought the first one had good parts. What are you talking about? No, I thought the first one had awesome parts. We all like the first one. No good parts. 
No, I did get started. I thought I thought he was on the fence about it. Yeah, the second, the first one has awesome parts with little Chloe Moritz Grace, and I'm screwing up her name again, Chloe Grace Moritz. Yeah. Um, but no, the second one is just embarrassing just, and awful and has nothing good. Yeah. The first one, I was just protective of her as a child actor, having to run around and say. Then you saw Carrie and went, "Fuck her." I don't think that's what I said. Oh. I think we were very protective of her and Carrie too. We were like, "What? I was who's, who's doing this to I was her?" Just, I was career. like, "All right, she's old enough to make fun of now that she's made Carrie." Well, you did, you're the one who didn't see Hugo, Kelly Wan. You can you no, can comment it, when you yeah go see Hugo first. Intent made me not see Hugo, but I always and you always you always kvetch about Hugo, but I always regret not seeing it. Kelly Wan, you could have enjoyed more Asa Butterfield if you had seen Hugo. <laughs> Isn't that Asa Butterfield? That's the Hugo kid, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the Hugo kid. So there, I, I can't wait. I, I want to see a buddy film with Asa Butterfield and Cody Smith McPhee. Just with the name? Yeah, no, for the just the dynamic, the charisma of the two of them on screen together. Oh my god, I'm being such a jerk to child actors. I apologize to Asa and Cody. I I hope they're doing well. Lloyd, and then now I feel bad because he seems so traumatized from ten years of having been in Phantom Menace that I'm trying to give. But Chloe Chloe Morris is like a hot, you know, photogenic Carrie alumnus. Right. I mean, she's got charisma. She's not a black hole on screen. Right. We can't can't take her down. Even if she's doing crappy movies and if the directors don't know what to do with her. She just give a show what we think. Didn't we hear, though, that she was – maybe it wasn't we and just me, but I thought I read something where she was on a set and just hating – like she was the problematic prima donna. No, I I hear she's she's just fine and well-adjusted. I like Zingus's take on this better than yours, Kelly Wand. I, it's pure heresy. Right. Hearsay? <laughs> heresy. Let's go with heresy. heresy. Yeah. yeah, we'll burn you with steak for that. Yeah. What'd you say? Uh, windmill? <laughs> just makes, uh, I don't know. Who, who calls it a windmill? That just is ridiculous. Don Quixote. Don Quixotic. Tilting at windmills. That's a phrase. That's the saying. Everybody knows. Cervantes. Tilting at windmills. Cervantes. Idiot Cervantes. Uh, Aaron Vaughn's runner-ups are in Thirst, the Korean movie. The main character learns not to trust women. Probably a good idea. Should have stuck with religion if he wanted something that wouldn't make him look like a sucker. We learned in The Avengers, Tom, yes. that only characters Marvel will ever kill are supporting cast that have no superpowers. And even then, they won't kill them. Yeah. They'll give them TV series. Then they turn them into scrolls. Um, I went to the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Paley Fest, Tom. She said Clark Gregg ran around in the audience like oh, Jalen and loved awesome. it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Gretchen Grassoff. Clark G- uh, Gregg, of course, you're talking about the writer of What Lies Beneath. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I told her that, and she was all, hmm. But anyway, getting back to... Gretchen Grassoff. We love Gretchen her. Gretchen Grassoff, yes. Right. It's been too long since I've heard from Gretchen Grassoff. I thought she was upset. I was wrong. Probably hey, something that you said, Kelly Wand. Usually. Hey, guys, I only have one pick this week, but as soon as Kelly announced the topic, I couldn't get this movie out of my head. Quote, what am I looking at here? Why are you hanging from the ground by your feet like bats? Dingus? What movie is that? It sounds familiar. I Dingus. <sighs> what? I feel like I've seen it. Dingus has. I don't think you have. I'm pretty sure I have. I'm going to guess that I have. Uh, it's come up in this topic already. That's your hint. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, When Nature Calls. Rats. It's the Butterfield Ventura. 
JK. Uh, it's from Frozen. Sorry, oh, Bats. Okay, I haven't seen it. No, Bats, Tom. Let me do the whole quote again. From Gretchen Grasshoff. What am I looking at here? Why are you hanging from the ground by your feet like bats? One bis- one big disclaimer is this is pretty much a spoiler, so if you're planning on seeing this one, you might not want to read or listen on. I'll try to keep it as vague as possible. I was pleasantly surprised by how this movie handled the concept of true love, especially considering this is a Disney princess movie. It steers you in a direction you assume all princess movies will end up and reveals its message about how love can be important and changing, even if it isn't romantic. I didn't think this was the best animated movie ever and had way too much singing. Well, that makes me not want to see microphone. Is that you or Diggis? Oh, sorry. I was actually taking the microphone off. The headphones Jen, off. I apologize for Tom. <laughs> I didn't want to hear. She said, don't listen. There's a spoiler. So I stopped listening for a minute. So you, could, you could mute your mic without making a song. <laughs> spoiler over? Wait, you want – that's you. She's the one who said, if you don't want to hear a spoiler, just I listen. That's so stop listening. I next time just launch the spoiler, or Tom will – Sabotage. I your... didn't know that it was going to be so noisy. Sorry. Jesus. Did you hear that? You didn't say anything? Yeah, I thought Tom was taking a bath. What was going on? All right. Uh, I don't know if anyone even heard what I said or Gretchen wrote because of Tom's. It was, a, it was oblique enough that it's not really. You just... I didn't think this was the best animated movie ever and had way too much singing, but I did enjoy the humor and ultimately it was a fun watch. Worth seeing you guys. Also see it wreck also see Wreck It Ralph. Thanks for the podcast as always, Gretchen. Oh, we have to see Wreck It Ralph, I guess. It's about video games, so we should, right? Yeah, but it just feels like one of those like Shrek kind of movies. Yeah, and it looked like, it looked very messagey from the trailer. But Gretchen Grassoff's never steered us wrong. Right. Frozen, by the way, just crossed a billion. Oh, really? Do people just think it was an Ice Age spinoff from the title, like I did? No, I don't think they thought yeah. that. Yeah, is there a squirrel chasing a nut in there? That never gets old. Apparently not. <laughs> the Ice Age movies don't think so. It's really, We're not allowed to watch Roadrunner cartoons anymore. Why not? No, they're never on. I thought it was because they were too violent, because the coyote keeps blowing himself up, which is a bad... That's the bad message, see, Tob, that mm. we're not ever see again. Mm-hmm. And now, did you see the thing? I think I talked about this last week, where it's like this—it's Snoopy and Charlie Brown hugging for a Peanuts movie. You did say something disparaging about some Peanuts movie, yeah. <sighs> Those characters don't hug. Right. Good grief! All right, Tom. Well, I'm sure Charles Schultz will have something to say about that. He's dead, Tom. Yes, Charlie Want. That's it for the listeners. All right, uh, runners up. <sighs> Right. I mean, I could just do any movie, right? But I don't think I think at this point. Okay, well, next week we're going to drill down and get very, very specific. This one's going to require some work. Next week's three by three. <laughs> yes. Marriage proposals. Ew. I know, right? <laughs> what inspired it, or is that the uh, a movie that I want everyone to see? Indecent um, proposal? No. That wasn't that, marriage. That was just sex. Yeah, that was a $10 million sex proposal. Uh, yeah. Actually, how much was he going to give her? One. One million. Oh, one well. Million. But back then, you know, inflation. Yeah. yeah she was in her prime. Uh, no, this is just a marriage proposal that you like in a movie. Um, it's just very specific. Maybe you can think of one and you're listening. If so, send it in to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com Maybe there will be one in Captain America the Winter Soldier, which we're seeing next week. 
uh, and maybe we'll like that, and we can pick that. Otherwise, uh, I just want a marriage proposal from a movie that you like. Did you say there's a movie you want us to see? I, or are you going to save it? Well, the thing is, it's a spoiler. <laughs> like, I oh, can't tell you right. what this. So, uh, You're not going to use it as one of your picks, then. All right. You know what? Here, you don't I'll have do, to. I'll do, no, I'll do what Kelly Wan did. I'm going to take off the table, the one that I wanted to bring up as the example. I regretted it. Oh, you did? Well... You made me do it, so fuck you. Use it. Let's go. All right. So there's a, there's a movie that I actually don't recommend to many people. Probably any – Kelly Wan, only you on this podcast should see this movie. Uh, okay. It's a movie directed by a, a British fellow named Simon Rumley. Uh, hmm. He does horror movies. And it's a movie with uh, Amanda Fuller and uh, uh, Noah Taylor uh, and a guy named – I want to say not Mark Singer – I can't remember the other actor's name. But anyway, it's, it's mainly Noah Taylor. There's a movie called Red, White, and Blue, which I, I think I might have mentioned previously. And uh, there's an amazing marriage proposal in it. Um, so, uh, and I don't even want to say anything. Do else. I have to see it before next week when you spoil it? In which I've case, I make a bunch of ma- microphone noises. <laughs> I've already spoiled it. So send the honor of Gretchen Grass off from your... Uh, I just love the marriage proposal in this movie. Uh, and here's the thing. You could see the movie and not even be aware that it exists. So how's that for intriguing? Um, the marriage proposal or the yeah, movie? The marriage proposal. You won't even know it's a marriage proposal. You could see the entire movie and not realize that there was a marriage proposal in it. The way in Noah, God proposes marriage <laughs> to the human race with a flag. Uh, so we're taking that off. I think that's a, a snake skin. Uh, I but, see. But uh, so movies other than Red, White, and Blue, uh, marriage proposals. Was so, it? Yes. Was it a marriage proposal in Empire Strikes Back when Han Solo said, "I know." Did they get married? Uh Well, you should see those Star Wars movies and find out. Uh, 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 next week we will be seeing <laughs> America: The Winter Soldier. Um, wait, wait. Do you the address the email address? Oh, got. three by three at quarter to three dot com. That's the number three, the letter X, the number three at, and then you spell out quarter to three dot com. Send those in, uh, and then see Captain America and join us for a discussion of it. Uh, Not the other way around. I'm betting Captain America <laughs> will beat the Lego movie <laughs> for its opening week. Really? Yeah. Wait, what was How's opening for a Lego? Um, you need, oh, I see what you mean. You're making a much more conservative estimate, which is you'll think it'll be Lego Movie's next week estimate after it's been out for six fucking weeks or something. No, no. I think uh, the Lego Movie's currently the biggest uh, box office opening weekend. Uh, I think it was 68 maybe. Uh, and I'm guessing Captain America will do better. I think I Captain America will do at least $70 million. Will it beat Noah? Oh, so it'll beat Noah. Oh, yeah. yeah at least. Yeah, he's Noah. Yeah. yeah, there's a what lot. Of it, Noah. What will the press... Headline be for like Captain America shield. bangs the other movies with his shield. No, no, uh, no. It's got to have a Noah analogy too. What are you talking about? Captain America sinks Noah. Right. Good. <laughs> shield sinks. No, but Noah's not going anywhere. I mean, Noah's Adamantium shield versus uh, greater than wooden ship. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's it's whatever's opening against Noah next week, though. Uh, isn't there another big opening? Could be wrong. So it's Captain America. Yeah, so it's uh, it's Captain America and uh, oh, Job. Uh, the Job movie's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, got a, a, there's it, act, by the way. It's a new Madagascar movie. <laughs> there's a there's a Madaga- There's a Morgan Freeman narrated thing about yeah, like the lemurs of Madagascar. Yeah. yeah. 
So I think I think Captain America will beat that. Captain America slays lemurs. Oh God! Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. Okay, well, maybe I shouldn't write headlines for Variety. Are there any vibranium puns they can do? Ah, uh, Kelly Wan thought the shield was adamantium. Ha ha! <laughs> Australia, it is. Oh, you are terrible at superheroes, Kelly. What what is I sent you to see the Avengers ten more times. Is it vibranium? What is it? It is totally vibranium. Duh. Fuck. Dingus just said it. What's it, uh, Wolverine's hair? Unobtainium. <laughs> uh, so join us for that next week. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Murkowski. It's Christian Murkowski. And Kelly Wand. Hermione. Hmm. Hey, Dingus, let's be fruitful and multiply. Please don't forget how precious a gift you are.